I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to another episode of Pearl Mania 500. Beep-beep. We always say welcome back because we're assuming you're a returning listener. Hey, welcome if you're new. If you are new, this is a podcast where a husband and wife duo, quote unquote, do their research. Yep. And then they lore dump (laughs) all over each other. That's such a weird term, lore dump. Yeah, I like it though. Yeah, it is what we do though. It is kind of what we do. Is this the podcast that you start on? Like if they're like, I'm just listening in and this is the first one. I mean, typically, welcome. I, I mean, how do you typically choose a first episode of a podcast to listen to? Do you um, go all the way back? I don't like to go back to episode one because usually podcasts don't quite know important. what they do. No, it sometimes it depends on what kind of podcast. Like when I started listening to Nicole Byers podcast, yeah. I just started looking at the guests and being like, oh, who do I want to listen to? Mm. And then after listening to those, I was like, all right, I'll start at number one. Okay. And so, like, that's usually how it goes. It's like, I say, oh, there's somebody I like. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to go back to number one. See, there's a reason why I wouldn't tell anyone to go back to the early episodes for us. Because they're too great? No, because we didn't have this. <laughs> oh, that's true. And once we got that, life changed. Everything got better. And with that, let's go ahead and get started with this week's episode of Pearl Mania 500. <laughs> that theme song it's so good that theme song is by his name was dusk oh my goodness close personal friend of the show who also recommended our brand new headphones hey 
Pew, 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 pew. I do want to say, yeah. Uh, you know, early on, I bought a pair of headphones for you. Mm-hmm. I got a, like a cheap pair of Panasonic headphones. Yeah. Then my headphones broke. Yep. Because I was using some I got from Target that mm-hmm. were really made for video games. Yeah. And uh, we, I talked to his name was Dusk. I was like, I need new studio headphones. Uh huh. The Patreons have been giving money. We need to be up to help stuff. us have equipment yeah. that works. Yes. So we, I went and got these headphones, and yeah. immediately, um. I tried yours on yeah, what was before, that like? and I was like, oh, she couldn't hear me ever the entire time. Now I have to hear you. You hear me clearly. <laughs> yeah. You can hear me clearly. Oh, man. What a time. I was living the life of luxury before. Yeah, no, no, it was really messed up. It was really messed up, but now we have these really great headphones. Yeah. And the other thing, part that's funny is actually now the headphones are so good, mm-hmm. it actually makes the mics sound worse when we use no. them live. No, I think the mics it. sound great when I'm listening to the podcast like through my iPhone or doing yeah. those type of things. But now when we're doing it live, the old headphones added more bass yeah. to I my like voice. Yeah, I like how, you know, we've been running this on zip ties and hope. Yeah. And we've been doing a pretty good job. We've been doing a great job. Yeah. I want to say, we've been doing a great job. Thanks. Thumbs up, hang in there, kitty. <laughs> um... But yeah, so we have a lot of fun things. Yeah. Today's episode was voted on by the team leads. Oh, yeah. Through Patreon, Mm -hmm. as we mentioned in every episode. It was a contentious vote. It really was a contentious vote. Yeah. And in fact, I do want to go ahead and double check here because we did just close out the most recent poll. Okay. Um, And this episode was voted on. Yep, yep, yep. And it was... So you guys obviously know what this episode's about. But the next episode that I'm going to do, it was close. It yeah. came down between Shen Yun yep. and the Uline, the owner of the Uline Corporation, mm-hmm. Dick Uline and his wife. Uh, Shen Yun won yeah. with 30% of the votes. Uh, you know what I liked about this poll is the comment section under the poll, people were really rallying for their vote. Yes. Like they were like, listen, this is why you need to vote for what I think we need to vote for. Yes. It was democracy in action for sure. And the worst part and is. And everybody's like, Shen Yun. Yeah. No. And the thing is, is we are. And, and as we say, in the top, the two top vote winners. So Shen Yun will be the episode after yeah. this one. When Alex uh, When I do my recording in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we are coming up actually on some things. So you and I do need, have been discussing. Okay. So what we're going to be having coming up uh, for all the listeners is we do have some vacations and stuff like that coming up. So what we're going to do is you will hear Sunday episodes coming up that don't have shout outs. Yeah. That is because that they will be canned, you know, during the week or things like that. Or we're going to record some episodes that we have things set aside in case life stuff comes up. I need up. to go to the beach. You need to go to the beach. I need to go to the beach. I have to go to a family function. I gotta function. lay in the sun. Yes, you do. And just absorb. Just like the iguana I am. Yes. Just lay on a rock. Yes. So I want to get... I, <laughs> and then I want to go to the woods. You want to go to I the woods? I just want to lay in the woods. Like a Like a what? Just like a rock in the woods. <laughs> That's just you are. You're just a series of rocks. <laughs> yes, I'm just a series of different rocks in different locations. <laughs> well, with that, the reason the reason you can hear what's your vacation search on Verbo? Where does this rock sit? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. What do we gotta do? We gotta do shout outs. We're gonna do some shout outs for our Hey huh. Let's meet our team leaders. That's right. It's time for our three and five dollar members. We give them a shout out all the time, uh, but you get their one shout out this week. So we have a we have a good group. Yeah, we have a good. How group. How do you know they're a good group? Because I scrolled down and looked at their names, uh, okay. and a lot of them listened. 
to what we've been saying in prior episodes, which is number one, please never use your real name as a username. You can use your real name. You can. Just know that we're going to say it and we're probably going to say it wrong. We're going to get it so wrong. We get it really wrong sometimes. Number one, all you get (laughs) to name is the shout out in the name. But number two, uh, it makes it much easier for us. It's a lot more fun. And it's also safer for you. Okay. You know, who wants to know that Jack Smith listens to the Pearlmania 500 podcast? Nobody wants to know that. But do they want to find out that Godzilla Butt Muncher listens to the the <laughs> Pearlmania 500 podcast? Yes. Un- no one is actually named Godzilla Butt Muncher. But now that I've willed oh, it into you've existence. you put it into the universe. Someone will. So let's go down this week's Hey Huns. We have 18. Up first, we have Rachel. Rachel. Hey, hon. After that, we have Carolina Vavatsiku. Yep, I'm sure that's right. Hey, I, hon. I honestly, I feel, I feel like I nailed that one. Okay. Vavatsiku. All right. Hey, hon. After that, we have Not Hilaria Baldwin. <laughs> hey, hon. <laughs> Congrats, Hilaria. Yeah, Hilaria Baldwin isn't Hilaria Baldwin. <laughs> no. My no. name's Hillary. <laughs> After that, we have Shay Hitsfield. Hey, Shay. After that, we have Dead Man's Girl 21. Hey, hey, Dead Man's Girl in 21. Yeah, that feels a little <laughs> oh, weird. No. Are you dating The Undertaker? All right, after that, we have Coffee-Goblin. Okay, I deeply relate to that That's one. what I'm saying. Like, listen, when you get a good name, you get a good name. That's Hey-Hun, yeah. You know what? Just for that. Little Goblin on that one. Uh, after that, we have Oh Big Gulps, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yo, a Big Gulp? Yo, but a Big Gulp every once in a while. Yeah. You feel real American when you drink a big gulp. Now here's here's you feel real American. Here here's an issue that we have. This What's next that? person just gave us their first name. Yeah, how's that an issue? Okay, because I worked. I want to say this is Andrea, or is it Andrea? Exactly, exactly. We're gonna end this now. All Andreas are not or Andrea Andreas. or Andrea or Andrea or Andrea. I say Andrea. I know you do, because you're from Northeast <laughs> Philly and you're trash. Well, it's Andrea. You listen, my Aunt Andrea. Call her Ange, though. Ange? Yeah, everybody gets their name shortened down to three letters, yeah. if possible. A single, va- a single <laughs> syllable. Exactly, Ange. Yeah. After that, we have Dean Denton. Hey, hon. After that, we have Skull Squadron. Hey, hon. Yeah. I was looking over. At, I can kind of see it, but I thought it said Skull Squatter, and I was like, weird. Yeah. Squadron's better. Hey, hon. Squatter, honestly, feels less threatening than Squadron. <laughs> squadron, like mm, skulls okay. in general. All right. After okay. that, we have Nobo the Gnome. Nobo the Gnome. I like that one. I hey, do hon. like that one. After that, we have Defunk86. Hey, Defunk86. After that, we have Stephanie Bouchard. Hey, Stephanie Bouchard. She's from Canada. How do you know that? Because oh, it says $5 okay, Canada. Canadian. Nice. So thank you so oh, much, Stephanie. How's that healthcare going, bud? Yeah, I bet how's it feels it fucking great. It's probably so good. Asshole. <laughs> Stop being mean to the listeners. No, I'm gonna. No. Go sit up there. Go to your job where you're respected, where your your healthcare isn't tied to your job so you can leave at any time and go do <sighs> something else. What that must be like. With your young, handsome prime minister leader. He is. Well, I Yeah, mean, look at him keeping a whole fucking sentence together. Must be nice, Canada. <laughs> must be fucking nice. Listen, they got problems. Remember when all those truckers went nuts up there? That they got problems too. Oh, oh, your truckers. I you got know. you guys have crazy truckers. Oh no. We got meth, baby. We got Florida. Yeah, we have Florida. <laughs> and our truckers are now refusing to go to Florida. I mean, I'm refusing to go to Florida. God, that's a long story. After that, we have Vanessa Destroy. Hey hun. That's a good name. That's a good name. After that, we have Desiree Ulala. Oh. <laughs> 
Say it again. Desiree Ulala. Man. That reminds me of Craig Ferguson. Yes. Because whenever he would curse, they would go, Ulala. Yeah, Ulala. I loved Craig Ferguson. Me too. He, and I, he's like one of the only people I've ever read their bio- biography of. Did you almost say biography? I really almost did. I don't <laughs> you know why. You almost said biography. I read his biography. Oh. It was very good. I like it. Yeah, and when you were reading his biography while you were looking at guillotines. <laughs> After that, we have Lou Rignillo. <laughs> Is that supposed to be like... Is that his real name? I think so. Okay, hang I'm on. assuming. Well, because it sounded like, like you, Lou Ferrigno, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hang on. You've met Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. He was suspicious. Suspicious? Yeah. All right. <laughs> We're just going to leave it there? I mean, what That feels more say? dangerous. <laughs> suspicious. It feels more dangerous to just say Lou Ferrigno's suspicious. No, he Allegedly. felt suspicious. Oh, okay. Suspicious vibes. Suspicious vibes. <laughs> suspicious vibes. It's yeah. like it's like the Elvis song Suspicious Minds, but yeah. just vibes. Vibes. We can't go on together. I'm leaving this room. With suspicious <laughs> vibes. After that we have this username is already taken. <laughs> I like that one a lot. I like that too. And it, now here's what's crazy. Okay. Right? Is we have one more to go. All right. And we I just read them in order of how they came in. Yeah. That's how I do. I pull up I know I can who's, see you know who's that. I don't order these yeah. in any way. Mm-hmm. But week after week, yeah. the last one in, always a banger. A good closer. Always. Always need a good closer. And which brings us to this one. Yeah. Let's get a hey, hon. Okay. A shout out to the team lead <laughs> for this city doesn't love you back, dot, dot, dot. It bombed us. <laughs> Yo, here. Uh, well, shout out to the move bombing. Uh you know, for those that don't know, uh, Philadelphia history uh, in the was it eighties, right? Yeah. The eighties, uh, the Philadelphia police bombed a West Philadelphia neighborhood, blew up a city block, blew up a city block, dropped a bomb from a helicopter, very literally. Yep. Um, Over like zoning rights too. It was like <sighs> it was crazy. It's it's one of those ones where we're actually too close to it to even like to do a full episode. Yeah, it's. Because it's so upsetting. It's bad. Uh, everyone it's... involved is insane. Yeah. Uh, the entire situation is nuts. But yeah, if you want to have But a... still, at the end of the day, no matter what's happening, you don't blow up a city block of family row homes. Yep. It's never the solution. It just isn't ever the solution to give a bomb and a helicopter to the police. Yeah. I just like, what the fuck? Yeah. And instead, and how do we react to this? We said, maybe the cops have it, should get a tank. No. Oh, That's no. how we dealt with it. No. Hey, hon. Which is why in January 2020, <laughs> it's going to be June 2020, we watched, got to watch the police drive down the center of the highway, shooting tear gas at people mm-hmm. from a fucking tank. Because what did police learn? Nothing. Exactly, nothing. Oh, okay. They learned nothing. Oh, I thought it was a trick question. Yeah, yeah. So that's been this week's Hey Huns. Hey Huns. Hey Huns. Let's meet our team leaders. So, uh, as we've said before, we did have a sponsor. We have our sponsor, Bob's Yeah, last Ironwork. week, Bob's Ironwork, our yep. first sponsor. Yep, and you did just get a message from him. That- well, yeah, he tagged us on a post on Instagram. Um, one of our, his first sale from one of our listeners, um, he made a handmade oak wood pen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so somebody bought the handmade oakwood pen and also a BDSM uh, banana sticker, which I have no idea what that even means. I'll show it to you. It's really funny. It's a it's, so it's a it's a banana uh-huh. that's into bondage. Yep, and sadomasochism, mm-hmm. and it's a sticker. Yeah, I think I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> I think I figured so, that out. Shout out to Bob's Ironwork. Yep. We also we also checked the uh, PO box. 
Yeah. Uh, we went to the P.O. Box this week. Uh, we like to do that. And as you guys know, we have those uh, open pretty regularly. Yeah. And someone sent us T-shirts that they made for us. Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to hold one up. Yep. So Alex can describe Yeah. It. On the front, it's a yellow shirt. And uh-huh. in blue letters on the front, it says Pearl Maniac. Mm-hmm. And on the back, it says Mr. Pearlmania, and it has a mic symbol yeah. underneath, again, in blue. And it's in, like, cool, crazy letters. Yeah. And then they, he also sent one to you as well that says Mrs. Pearlmania yep. on the back. Wear mine so, with a hoodie. Yeah. So and, people don't see me in these streets. And that was sent over to us by one of our Patreons. Yeah. Uh, Mr. I think is Chappelle, uh, Chappelle Dreddy. I have it right here. Chappelle Andretti. Uh, who's been on there, and he's he and I have gone back and forth about how bad I've mispronunciated this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I Just will continue. say that he has a website, uh, playonwords.bigcartel.com. That's playonwords.bigcartel.com. His Instagram's playonwords. Yeah. You can easy find, peasy. Yeah, very easy to find. And, uh, and Chappelle- I like the, the font he used. It's very, like, uh, 90s movie to me. Yeah. Like... I can't place exactly what movie it is, but it, it just gives me 90s nostalgia. It feels it feels Empire Records. Yeah. Well, again, last episode we talked about that as well. Yes. And you didn't have enough uh, knowledge about the movie. I've seen the movie multiple times. You talked about a very specific scene that is not I know to me. every scene from that. We're movie. not doing this again. Uh, okay, why? Who's going to stop me? Uh, me. I'll no. just hit this mute button. Go ahead. Keep talking. All right. Now that's a great episode happening because it's just me now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I have a mute button. I know. You think I don't know about the mute button? Yeah, I learned from Steven Crowder. I hit this button, and you just keep talking, and then I silence you, and what can you do about it? Nothing. Oh, that's not going to work either. No, it's not, because you have you have a knife from Bob's Ironwork with a beautiful, with a beautiful handcrafted... Uh, oh. handcrafted thing and you have to you have to rub oils on it to keep it good I gotta keep rubbing it massaging with oils yeah it's a good that hides the fingerprints so uh, Mrs. Pearlmania yeah is there anything else that we need to say before we begin the episode no I don't think so I think I think we actually went long this time on our intro and I'm okay with that because oh yeah it's your episode you want to go long oh, always yeah always because we have a lot to cover this episode okay so with that we're gonna turn the page real quick we're gonna play one of these bumpers from His Name Was Dusk And then when we come back, we're going to learn all about the Pinkertons. Pearlmania, 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 500. All right, Mrs. Pearlmania. Yeah, we're back. So this episode is on the Pinkertons. Mm -hmm. And um, before I get started, I would be remiss... Okay. If I didn't play a clip from our absolute favorite show, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. Um, now, this doesn't deal directly with the Pinkertons. Okay. But it does deal with unions and especially Pennsylvania unions, which the Pinkertons had a lot of issues with mm-hmm. in these things. Mm-hmm. And it's from a very specific episode where a Ferengi... Uh, uh-huh. Named Rom, yep, is starting a union uh, against who? Against his brother Quark, yeah, Quark, who owns a bar, <laughs> yeah, and uh, he happens to the, the way this this scene starts. Uh, Rom walks into the med bay where Doctor Bashir is uh, doing a treatment on Chief O'Brien, mm-hmm. the famously Irish, yeah, the famously cursed Chief O'Brien. <laughs> O'Brien always suffers in every episode. 
but he is the greatest man in history and probably the most important person to ever exist in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> That's probably true. Uh, because he is the reason why Mrs. Perlmania fell in love with Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> there was an early episode we were watching. You're like, why do they keep doing this to this man? And I said, because there's no one else. Uh, so with that, let's find out why unions are important from Chief O'Brien from this episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I hope. A union, huh? Good for you. You know about unions? Who do you think led the Pennsylvania coal miners during the anthracite strike of 1902? I have no idea. Sean Aloysius O'Brien. You know that? There's a lot of things about my family you don't know. Eleven months those mines were closed. They didn't open again until all the miners' demands were met. You mean we should force Quark to close the bar? Only as a last resort. I mean, if he's reasonable about your request, there's no need to strike. Quark reasonable? <laughs> Unlikely. You'll have to strike, mark my words. And when you do, you'll have to be strong. Just like Sean O'Brien. Exactly. You know, he had the biggest funeral in all of western Pennsylvania. Funeral? Hmm. They fished his body out of the Allegheny River a week before the strike ended. 32 bullets he had in him. What was it 34? Well. No. He died a hero. He was more than a hero. He was a union man. And with that, <laughs> we're going to start this week's episode of the Pinkertons. You'll find out more probably in the later of the episode of why I played that. But I wanted to just get that out of the way so I can close the tab. Listen, um, I love it. I love starting with um, aggressively Irish Pennsylvania Union dudes. Yes. Because it, it just feels like home. That is home for you. Yeah. That is where your, the, your like, soul resides. The way that... This is why I fall in love with O'Brien when we watch this show because the way that he's looking at the screen delivering these words is like every uncle of mine at a barbecue <laughs> describing some union issue they're having. He died a hero, Vic. He did die a hero. <laughs> Yo, before Oxycontin showed up, we used to get stuff done. <laughs> All right, so uh, the Pinkertons. Okay. Uh, the Pinkerton Detective Agency. You're was, supposed to ask me if I know about the Pinkertons. Do you know about the Pinkertons? I know a little bit about What them. do you know? I know specific- About anything. <laughs> Why the- are you in such a mood today? I'm going to hit the mute button. Stop threatening me with mutes and stop being in such a mood. Okay, what do you know about the Pinkertons? What do I know about the Pinkertons? I know that they were... A form of armed forces, somewhat like a paid militia by the government uh-huh. to break up unions. Mm-hmm. And um, they were used to uh, be violent against people striking and demanding fair wages and working conditions. All right. That's the episode. I think we're good. That's it. This is the whole we thing. We don't need to do anything. Oh. There's more. I was like, I feel like there's more. Oh, there's so much more. And in yeah. fact, I do want to give a disclaimer on this one. Uh-oh. I got into this. And uh, a lot of a lot of what we're going to be covering it happens between the 1870s and the 1890s. Okay, which is a period of history I hate more than anything else. Okay, weirdly, okay. Here's what I know before, and I, I kind of knew because this whole period is all robber barons. Yeah, it's all Vanderbelts and Carnegies, mm-hmm. and it's just rich fucks putting everything together and building up a little dragon horde Mm -hmm. and then standing on top and going, get away, mine, mine, as the economy crumbles repeatedly Uh uh until eventually FDR and Teddy Roosevelt show up Mm -hmm. and just threaten them with violence until things get too 
kind of normal. Okay. And then we invent television. Yep. And we forget everything we ever fucking did. Okay. And now we're doing it again. So that's why I hate the 1870s to the 1890s. Because you hate oil barons. No, because it's just spoilers for the 2030s. Oh. That's how it feels. <laughs> I don't like spoilers. I don't like spoilers. So um, let's. we're going to go ahead and start. So the first thing is obviously uh, the Pinkerton Detective Agency is mm-hmm. how it was originally known. Okay. Uh, that was founded by Alan Pinkerton. And a, a Chicago attorney named Edward Rucker. All right. Now, initially, it was it was established as the Northwestern Police Agency in Chicago. Now, that's weird that it's called the Northwestern in Chicago, but mm. you got to remember that that's kind of like where the territories begin versus the states. So, yeah. like Chicago, now we think of as the Upper Midwest. Back then, was like this is the Northwest. <laughs> They didn't have Portland yet, you know? Yeah. It was there, but it wasn't, like, rocking. It wasn't Portland that we know now. No, no. Not all the strip clubs. So eventually they changed the name to Pinkerton and Company, and finally it was named Pinkerton National Detective Agency. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to tell you a little bit, uh, first, from Pinkerton's actual website. Okay. Because the Pinkerton... I never trust their website. No, and this is why, you know, recently we did an episode where we discussed uh, Mormonism. Yeah. And people were like, go to their website. They I'm have like, the why? information. I don't believe that. No, exactly. Why would you go directly to their website? Because here, here, let me give you an example of the Pinkerton Detective Agency. Yeah. Which now, it's just their website is just Pinkerton.com. Uh, this is... <laughs> After the rebrand. Many rebrands. <laughs> They've been bought and sold many times over. This is this is their history line. Okay. okay? 1842, Alan Pinkerton immigrates to the United States. Mm-hmm. 1847, Alan discovers counterfeiters while scouting for barrel timber on the Fox River. Okay, right away, mind your business. Yeah, exactly. Right away, mind your business. You <laughs> discovered counterfeiters? Keep walking. 1850, the first Pinkerton office opens in Chicago. 1855, Alan signs a contract to guard the Illinois Central Railroad. From 18... 18- Huh? From what? Why Eight, would you guard a railroad? 1856. Okay. They hired the first female detective, Kate Warren. I don't know. Girl that. boss gatekeep suspicious, gaslight, baby. Suspicious. 1861. Uh-huh. Safely protects 16th President Abraham Lincoln from the first assassination attempt on his life. So let me guess. The, the second thing isn't going to say that they failed at the the second time 1870 pinkerton's <laughs> national detective agency invents the mugshot calling their collection of images a rogues gallery <laughs> yo not the mugshot yep we go from 1870 you know when the next intro is what 1906 oh, pinkerton now has a really big jump yeah it's weird how they went like year by year and then they just go to Whoa. 1906 they skipped a bit of time. Pinkerton now has 20 different offices throughout the United States. Oh, yeah. They expanded like um, like a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Yeah. Or like cancer. Whoa. 1925, Alan, grandson of Alan Pinkerton Sr., incorporates the agency and becomes its first president. Okay. 1942, industrial guard services increased during war times. Wait a minute. 1960. No, wait. Corporate headquarters. 1960. Corporate headquarters is moved to New York City, New York. All right. 1962. Pinkerton agents escort the Mona Lisa, painted by Leonardo da Vinci, safely across the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. 1965. Agency name changes to Pinkerton's Inc. to reflect its function in supplying security services to many different types of vendors. All right. 1969. Pinkerton offices are established in Hong Kong. 
opening the doors to operations in Asia. Great. 1998. <laughs> what a jump. That, yep. We, 69 and 98. That's a yep. big jump. Yep. 69 and 98. That's the name of my biography. Oh, Hey-o. my God. Oh, my 1998, God. 1998, Pinkerton successfully evacuates 431 expatriates from Indonesia during the Asian currency crisis. So they got 400-some Americans out of Indonesia when... Okay. When the, the economy crumbled. Okay. They said, get in our helicopters, rich people. We're out of here. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. They're just saving the rich people. Okay. 2005. They put that on their website? Yeah, 2005. Oh, okay, 98 to 2005. Yeah. All right. Pinkerton mobilizes 313 agents to assist clients in the aftermath of hurricanes Katrina, Rita, and Wilma. So in 2005, the Pinkerton sent 300 staff members to Hurricane Katrina to save only their clients. 2012. Okay. Pinkerton transforms into a global provider of corporate risk management and pioneered the holistic approach to ESRM. What's ESRM? I didn't look that up. Oh, okay. It's just corporate bullshit. Yeah. Let's circle back to it later, you know? 2013. Pinkerton debuts the risk wheel and end-to-end delivery through oh embedded God. subject matter experts. Oh, God damn it. I feel this is, it's gone so corporate. It's going to make 2014. Uh-huh. Global headquarters is relocated from New Jersey to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Wait, now, hold on. It you was said in New they York. were in New York. How I did know. they get to New Jersey? I, nobody, they just skipped a year. They, I don't know. It's, I, I Why was are reading. they going to Michigan? 2019. Nearly 150 years after inventing the mugshot, Oh my God, stop taking credit for that. Pinkerton releases Crime Index, combining Pinkerton's crime-fighting history and frontier data science. Okay, so they're harvesting data. Cool. 2020, Pinkerton established Comprehensive Risk Management Platform to unlock, assess, design, deliver framework for specialized solutions. I hate everything you just read. 2021, Uh huh. Pinkerton celebrates 171 years of business with the years of Pinkerton. That sentence doesn't even fucking make sense. No, it doesn't, but that's the end of their history. Now, okay, you may have noticed. I got noticed, a lot of questions. Yeah, there's a lot that was left out. <laughs> yeah. There's so much that was left out. Yeah. Because part of this is that Pinkerton, marketing. a huge part of its marketing. Yeah. But a big part of this also is that Pinkerton was purchased by an international security conglomerate known as Securitas AB. Mm-hmm. I believe they're out of Sweden. Okay. So Pinkerton now is a brand of another security company. Now it still has all of the Pinkerton stuff and uh, everything that comes with that. Yeah. Because why would you buy a brand mm-hmm. except to go back out and use it? And that's what brings us to the story of Pinkerton's that will bring us up to that chart. Okay. So we'll start with Alan Pinkerton. Back to the OG Alan, not the OG, the, yeah, the JR. Yeah, not the JR or Alan the Third, whoever the grandson was. Ugh. Who gives a shit? I don't care. I don't care. How many Allens do we need? What? Just one right now, and his name is Alan Pinkerton. Okay. He was born in Scotland. Oh, it's like Succession. Yeah, <laughs> immediately, <laughs> immediately, immediately like Succession. Immediately <gasps> like Succession. He was born in Scotland, and he moved to America in 1842. He was a cooper by trade. Okay, he was completely self-taught. Uh, because, you know, Scotland like didn't have a really great education system at the time because mm. uh, they weren't in London and not rich. So he learned how to be... Why wasn't Scotland rich? We don't have time. Oh, okay. All right. So he moved to the Chicago area, uh, just outside of Chicago, and he 
it was a cooper. So that's what he was making barrels. Mm-hmm. So he created what's called a cooperage where he would go and make barrels. And he was look, walking around looking for stave trees um, and around 1849. And he was walking through the woods, and that is when he came across the counterfeiters. Mm-hmm. And he found these men, and he watched them, and they were clearly like working a, a counterfeiting press and like doing all this different stuff, making counterfeit money. Okay. Now this was big at the time. In fact, actually, uh, when I was reading through this, by the time the Secret Service was created, they believed that up to a third, to me, up to two thirds of all currency in the United States, paper money, yeah, was fake. Yeah. It was all fake money. I did know that. Yeah, so that that was a big issue back then. So they, uh, he saw these guys counterfeiting. They were possibly part of a large ring of counterfeiters and criminals that were mm-hmm. working all across the Midwestern prairies. Okay. Um, so Alan ducked into the bushes. Oh my god! Took Alan. some notes. Oh, Alan. You know, wrote he 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 observed them, <sighs> and then he went and he found the county sheriff. No. And he informed the sheriff what was going on. Snitching. The sheriff came, swooped in. Okay. Arrested all these guys. How's this bothering you, Alan? It's got nothing to do with you. They arrested him. Go make a barrel, Alan. Because maybe, what if somebody buys a barrel with fake money? Ugh. You know? Get the little marker. You rub the marker on the 20. They didn't have the markers back then. the marker for the 20. They didn't have the markers back then. But you know what they did have? Classic case of not minding your business. Also, if I see criminals out in the woods, immediately leaving. Yeah. It may, nope. Because those criminals, when they see you, they're going to eliminate yeah, what they know is a snitch in the woods. Yeah, because you're in the woods. And why are you walking around? Why are you paying attention? Nothing good happens in the woods. That's not true. There's fun stuff that happens in the woods. Name one thing. Um, Frisbee golf. All right. You got, you named one thing. <laughs> That's very good. I will give you that. You know what? Just for that. Hey, That's for Frisbee for golf. For frothing. <laughs> So Alan, you know, this was this was Alan's first taste of law enforcement. Yeah, oh, good. He uh, he saw some guys do some stuff. And he told somebody. In. He was like, "Yeah." And then they all got executed. Shut the fuck up, Alan. Okay. Yeah. All right. They were and, he, hung. and then he was immediately like, "Bet." Yeah, but he was Scottish about it. So he was like, "Oh, this is lovely." <laughs> okay, that was number one. A terrible accent. Oh, look at me, number I'm Scottish. Two, not all Scottish people are snitches. Not all Scots. No, not all Scots. So you're telling me that that I'm that's a that I'm using a no true Scotsman fallacy is what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> so Alan, Alan, Alan gets a taste. He Alan gets, gets a, a taste. taste of- <laughs> but but here's the thing: what you need to know about Alan. Alan also kind of secretive. Oh, okay. Because you know you know what else is really big at the time. Uh. Alcohol. Crime. It's 18, 1848. What's what's real big in eighteen forty eight? Oh, um, railroads. Slavery. Oh, Alan. God damn. It. Alan. Mm-hmm. This is gonna catch you off guard. I all right. Alan. Yeah. Hates slavery. Oh wait. What? Alan is a ardent abolitionist. Well, all right, Alan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get one thumbs up from me, bud. Yeah. So Alan Pinkerton, ardent abolitionist. He he is part of the Underground Railroad. Okay. Uh he stores people at his house as they're being moved to Canada or being moved, you know, further so they can get the safety. Yeah. Uh he gives money to abolitionist causes. Okay. And uh he even uh at one point down here, he meets uh with John Brown. Oh shit. And Frederick Douglass in Chicago. And Alan actually purchased supplies, including clothes, for John Brown. Hell yeah, dude. And those supplies were believed to be used in John Brown's raid on Harper's Ferry. Fuck yeah, dude. Where John Brown tried to start a slave, a national slave revolt to overthrow the entire South. Yeah. And lead to the freedom of all black people. 
Yeah. Um, and to the point where someone actually believes that the suit that John Brown wore during his trial and mm-hmm. when he was eventually hung yeah. was possibly purchased by Alan Pinkerton in Chicago. Damn. All right, listen. Yeah. I guess I guess I'm going to have to admit that I guess sometimes bad people can have good value, like a good thing about them. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. We should do an episode on John Brown. And then we should go to Harper's Ferry because it's nice. I, we went to Harper's Ferry I know, already. but we can go again. It's it, nice. That's true. It's really beautiful there. Yeah. So, uh, Alan, in 1849, he, he, like I said, he got that real big taste of being a cop. That's such a, God, he got So he just straight up becomes a cop. A cop. <laughs> he just becomes a cop. He's like, I like what you guys are doing. Yeah, he becomes a police detective. How, wait, uh, uh, Matt, wait, he's, it seems like, I don't want to. I know that being anti-racist is different than being anti-slavery during this time period. Yeah. But there's something about like being anti-slavery but pro-cop that seems a little weird. Yeah. It, <laughs> it does, seems a little weird. It doesn't feel like it mismatches. It doesn't match. But in right. Allen, it does. In Allen, it does. Okay. Because Alan Pinkerton becomes, he becomes a police detective. Okay. And then he does that for a bit. And then the next year, he forms his, his private police detective agency. Okay. So here's one thing I do like. I do like that he went in. He learned all the things, and he was like, bet. And then he stole all the information mm-hmm. and started his own business. Well, and part, I of love the, that. part of this gets confusing. America. Because I don't know a lot about the history of policing in America, especially from this time. Oof. All right? Because it's part of the reason a private detective agency is needed is because there is a lot of, you know, there's, there's county lines, there's state lines, there's township lines, all these mm-hmm. different things. And the government wasn't as built up back then. Yeah. So oftentimes what they would do is the government would put a line and say, hey, we need policing. We'll pay people to be cops. There isn't any training. There isn't anything else. You were just kind of deputized. Yeah. And then for like the railroad side of things, Mm -hmm. what it was is they're covering such vast lands that the railroad would say, hey, we're covering like five states. My, My train tracks and my cars are going across all these different states, all these different towns. I need security services to be able to be on these cars, to watch out for train robbers, to make sure people aren't blowing up bridges, all those different things. Mm-hmm. So that's what Alan is hired for. And it's also one of those odd things because as I was reading through this, I'm also reading through like 1865 is like when the Washington, D.C. finally gets a municipal police force. They straight up didn't have one before then. Yeah. There's all these different areas like there are sheriffs, yeah, but there aren't cops. There yeah. aren't police in the same way. So it's it's confusing. Yeah. And again, I kind of like hate this period of history. So I'm like, ah, I don't want to go too deep. Yeah. So anyway, he forms the Pinkerton. Dete- well, at that time, whatever he called it. But eventually so the So he Pinkerton. becomes a small business owner. He becomes a small business owner. A, okay. a, a two-time small business two-time owner. Two-time small business Because he's still owner. making barrels. Oh, he never stopped making barrels. As far as I could tell, he never stopped making barrels. You know what? He was like... Yeah, listen, if once you you're do- a cooper, you're always a cooper. <laughs> if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Exactly. Making barrels. And you know what Alan loved doing? What? Snitching. God damn. So Alan and his detectives, mm-hmm. uh, they begin to start working with the local trains. Now, back then, there were hundreds of train companies. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of train companies. So Alan and his guys, as he was hiring them on, they would start to, you know, we're not talking about like the great train robberies where guys are on horseback and they're like stopping the train, blowing up the bridges, all that stuff early on. Mostly it was just being in Chicago, walking through an area and being like, someone robbed this rail car. (laughs) Who is it? And then one of Alan's guys would be like, 
well, there's footprints going this way, and there's a drunk man over there. And they'd be like, Alan Pinkerton's a genius. <laughs> this man's so smart. But basically, that's what they would do. And they would go. And so these agents were allowed to arrest people. They could then take them to the sheriff, and then the sheriff would follow through the processing there. Got it. That, so, so they're kind of like bounty hunters in that way. Yeah. But again, these, it's more urban. Mm-hmm. which is stressed kind of through this this period, especially pre-Civil War, it's really just the general Chicago area and the towns around Chicago where they're doing this stuff. They're not really out in the prairies. They're not, again, riding on these trains as often no. as those things. But what that does... They're living in a, a city that has no uh, skyline because of the sheer amount of coal dust and yes. fumes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get into coal later. <laughs> so... Alan starts building this up more and more, and he's getting more and more well-known among the train owners. Okay. Especially because Chicago, even to this day, is a major rail hub in the United States. Um, A lot of trains, and if you look at a train map, Mm -hmm. you'll see so many trains run to Chicago. Yeah, of course. And then they come out of there. So he's getting really well-known among the railroad owners. He also gets well-known because of, one, because he's working in law enforcement, and two, because he's an abolitionist, he gets well-known to a very young lawyer named Abraham Lincoln. Oh, good old A.B. So at this point, Alan's doing well, and he's doing well in Chicago, uh, but he's not really nationally known, uh, which brings us to 1856. Now, this is when—I'm uh, just going to read this to you. Okay. Um, a young woman walked into the agency's office mm-hmm. in Chicago. All right. And she said that she uh, was replying to a help wanted ad. All right. And Alan Pinkerton's sitting there and he said, oh, okay, cool. So you want to be a secretary? And the woman named Kate Warren informed Alan that she actually wanted to be hired as a detective. Okay. And Pinkerton, Pinkerton said, quote, it is not the custom to employ women detectives. Oh. That was just like, he just, that's straight up. This is from the Pinkerton records, by the way. All right. Alan goes, it's not the custom to employ women detectives. And Kate argued her point of view eloquently. Yeah. Pointing out that women could be, quote, most useful in worming out secrets in many places, which would be impossible for a male detective. Mm. A woman would be able to befriend the wives and girlfriends of suspected criminals and gain their confidence. Yep. Men become braggarts when they are around women who encourage them to boast. Kate also noted women have an eye for detail and are excellent observers. Facts. You know what that reminds me of? Completely off topic. Yeah. Um, Strawberries and Clothier, the first department store ever. Yep. Based in Philly, right? Um, the When he opened Strawberries and Clothier, the department store, he hired women to uh, like be well-dressed and kind of always be wandering around shopping to look for shoplifters. Because they mm. had a huge problem with shoplifters in the beginning because there was never a department store before. So people were like, look at, you can just, everything is here. You yeah. can just take everything. So like Strawbridge and Clothier was one of the first employers of really women in the roles of like working at the glove counter and the beauty counter and like all the stuff. But they also had a whole other staff of undercover in quotes like police women yeah. who were just like finely dressed women who would be shopping there all day, but they were actually looking for shoplifters. Huh. And they would make conversation and they would be like, oh, that looks great on you. Yeah. And like, it's the same exact idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why Strawbridge and Clothier's old saying was... Uh, I- you need help finding anything? <laughs> oh, okay. And then they do the eye, they point to the eyes, yeah. point to you. 
So that was always my favorite move when I first worked in retail. Like, no, you have to walk up to everyone and say, do you need help? Like, why? Like, that way they know we're watching. And I'm like, okay. And you're like, I hate this place. Meanwhile, like, fast forward 30 years, and here we are in 2020, where I literally can't find a human being to save my life. You're standing in the middle of CVS being like, I guess I'm just taking it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, no, you go to the self-checkout. And then you go to the self-checkout, and you're like, beep. Like, do you want to buy a warranty? I'm like, no. Wait, I have to upsell myself for warranty? Why would I donate $3? You're just going to write it off your taxes. Yeah. Fuck out of here. So anyway, Kate Warren is hired by Alan Payton. I bet. She sounds great. She is hired. And uh, she quick, like within a year or two, she quickly proves herself um, a great investment. Sure. She solves a major embezzlement case where a man was stealing $50,000 from a company. Damn, back then, that's a lot more than that's 50K. That's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah it's, like, it's like, yeah, I didn't do the math, but I think but it's, it's, a lot of money I think it's back close then. to like a mill. Yeah. Um, he was embezzling it, and Kate, this is how Kate did it. Okay. Uh, she became friends with the suspect's wife. Of course, yeah. And uh, the wife just told her everything. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was like, oh, yeah, you're just a woman. It's like, what are you going to do about it? You're a woman. It's 1859. <laughs> Women can't do shit about I just, shit. I just love the idea. Of oh, my, my husband? Oh, oh yeah, no, he's very well. The, 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 my husband? Fucking embezzler? Yeah. Can't but, get home in time for dinner? I think it was... No, I actually think it was the reverse. I think it was more like, oh, my husband? Oh, he does very well. Well, what he does? He just steals money. <laughs> <laughs> he just takes it and they're dumb and they don't notice. He's dumb idiots. Um, the agency was able to recover 80% of the stolen 50000 and uh, after that, that's a that, pretty good return. I'm that's a pretty yeah. It was about thirty nine thousand um, dollars. And Alan put uh, Kate Warren in charge of his new all female detective division. Nice. Because then he was like, I gotta hire so many ladies. <laughs> Instantly, he was he's looking around. He's like, no one else is hiring. I ladies. like that when Alan gets a taste of something, he's all in. He all in immediately. <laughs> Alan should not go to the casino. <laughs> no, no. And meanwhile, Alan's like, I've just been back from Colombia. You gotta try this. All right. <laughs> Um, so now, so, so now because of this and some other things, Pinkerton, Pinkerton becomes a big deal in Chicago, especially Mm -hmm. among the railroads, which because of the railroads, especially among rich people, very, very well known. Uh, but it really wasn't known nationally. And that changed in 1861 because of this thing called the Baltimore plot. Now, what happened was in 1861, Alan Pinkerton gets hired by the Philadelphia, Wilmington and Baltimore Railroad. Mm-hmm. I know that's three separate cities, but that is the name of one company. Great. Philadelphia, Wilmington, and Baltimore Railroad. And he's hired to protect railroad property in Maryland. Now- the You didn't r- say Maryland. What? In the names. No, no. Well, I said Baltimore. Oh, okay. You know, but specifically in Maryland, because before the Civil War, mm-hmm. it, it people needed to, to know that while the, the, the South stopped at Virginia- Maryland was a border state, mm-hmm. and Maryland and Delaware were both slave states. Okay, that may, that would have wanted to secede. Mm-hmm. Lincoln, when when he saw the secession happening, actually tried to arrest the uh, state legislature of Maryland so they couldn't vote for secession. Okay, and he also put Delaware under martial law. <laughs> uh, and the emancipation sure. the Emancipation Proclamation did not apply to Maryland and DC. Yeah. They were allowed to keep their slaves until the 13th Amendment was passed. Oh. Because the Emancipation Proclamation only counted in rebel- in states that were in open rebellion. Isn't Maryland where um, Rising Rising Sun Maryland, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. The Klan and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So so you, you have this issue in Maryland where everyone knows the Civil War is coming mm-hmm. because Lincoln won election. Yep. Um, and so everyone's like kind of prepping for it. And one of the big fears that the railroad company had is that – 
secessionists, people who want to secede and join the Confederacy once it starts, um, they're going to blow up railroads. So that way the Union, the North can't move troops towards the South. That way mm-hmm, goods mm-hmm. can't travel to Washington, D.C., mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all this different stuff. So Allen's hired to protect the railroad property okay. in Maryland. Um, and so he starts to investigate things and he starts to get like whispers around that like, hey, someone's going to try to kill Lincoln. Mm. But then on top of that, Kate Warren, he sends her to Baltimore. Yeah. And she just like, she's, she's just going around. She's pretending to be a Southern lady. And she's like, oh my God, oh my, oh, I just love slavery. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, she's great. And she's like, mm, my husband, he died. They're like, God, your flag is so nice. Oh, I just love it. I just love the Maryland flag. Oh, you know what my favorite part about it? What? It's just subtle. The Maryland <laughs> flag, I just subtle. think subtlety. You know what? I like that you don't put it on everything. Yeah. You know what? You know what I always said? I always said that everything could just use more Old Bay. <laughs> I would just, could we get a can of Old Bay with the with the Maryland flag mm, on it? You Can you? Oh. I know a hundred places down there to buy it. Bless your heart. What's your thoughts on President Lincoln? Are you thinking about killing him? Oh, no. Uh, oh, you know what is good, though? Mm-hmm. They're, they, in, um... Down the beach, they got the caramel corn. Yeah, they got the, the fresh caramel corn, but then they put the obey on the caramel corn, and I don't. It's like salty, sweet, spicy. It's very good. It shouldn't be good, but it is good. It sounds like witchcraft. And you know, I eat that, and suddenly I'm like, is their their flag is kind of cool. See, this is how they get you. <laughs> obey, oh, obey on the caramel corn. Obey on the boardwalk is a gateway drug. Yeah, to wearing the- Maryland flag pajama pants <laughs> at a Wawa. Okay, so. Um, Kate Warren uncovers a plot. Okay. And she gets like pretty good details on okay. the plot. And so she like informs Alan. Alan takes her to New York where they inform people that are involved with Lincoln. And the one thing you also have to remember is Lincoln has been elected. He's the president elect. Mm-hmm. But uh, it wasn't until around FDR. The, the, the inauguration used to be in March. Mm-hmm. We moved it to January. It used to be further apart because it took longer to get the votes tabulated, all those different things. Yeah. So you had a longer lame duck presidency. So there's a lot of time between November when Lincoln wins election and March. I think it's like March 20th or 31st, whatever it was, whatever it used to be in March when he was going to finally be inaugurated. Okay. So people are just sitting around for months just like, dude, when this dude rose through Baltimore, we're going to fuck him up. Okay. And Kate goes and uncovers the, the plot. Uh, Allegedly. <laughs> uh, and so what the plot is, is that in Baltimore, they had rules against trains running downtown that were steam engines. Okay. You couldn't use a coal fire steam engine downtown because one of the fears was, is that sparks, it would be moving so yeah. fast and so loud that sparks might fly off and catch uh, things on, on fire, fire and yeah. all those different things. And also it was just loud and the soot and all those things. And like back then, if I'm correct, there were train tracks like in the middle of the fucking city. It was in the middle like of the street. Like you had to just kind of walk out of the way of a train. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't the way it is now where it's kind of always on the edge of town. Yes. Or so it's like a train would just come the fuck through town. <laughs> so yes. like it was a big deal. And so what part of what they would do is to, to do this crossover. The train would get to like the edge of the city center of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And then Lincoln would be changing from that mm-hmm. to a horse-drawn train car. Okay. That is being pulled by horses. Yeah. To then go to the final one. All right. And that was the idea. Yeah. And so what the plot was is during that that changeover, 
the uh, the assassins were going to create a distraction by starting a fight in the crowd. Okay. So then the police officers, the guards would be like, hey, what's that over there? And they'd go over there. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of them would run up and just stab the shit out of Lincoln. Okay. That was their plan. All right. Wow. So Pinkerton told Lincoln this. And Lincoln said, uh, fuck off. I'm not a coward. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm Abraham goddamn Lincoln. Okay, bet. I like that vibe. I yeah. like that energy. Yep. But then, like, they gave him some more information, and they, they're like, no, dude, like, legit, like, they're gonna fucking stab you to death in the butthole. Yeah. And he was like, no, all right, all right, fine. So, Lincoln's plan was he was gonna go from Chicago and take a train, like, across Ohio, through Pittsburgh, go to Harrisburg, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, which is the center of Pennsylvania yeah. for our listeners. Then he's gonna go over to Philly, and then from Philly down to Baltimore, from mm-hmm. Baltimore to D.C. And the yeah. whole way along the way, he was gonna be making stops and speeches and all this different stuff, yeah. showing his face to the people. And so, and this was like wi- like wi- uh, widely publicized. Yeah. Everyone knew this schedule, which is why Pinkerton was like, yo, you need to change this. Like, maybe don't stop in Harrisburg. And he's like, absolutely not. I gotta be hanging out with my Pennsylvania homies. And he's like... <laughs> Dude, what? Lincoln. He was There's like, There's nowhere cool to hang out in Harrisburg, my yeah. dude. So uh, eventually what they did is they got to Harrisburg. And uh, in Harrisburg, that's where they finally changed it slightly. Okay. And when they finally made the decision to change the bit of the schedule, uh, the first thing Pinkerton did was he just started cutting telegraph lines. <laughs> he Perfect. Started, he was like, no one can know. I don't want anyone to know ahead of time what we're doing. Yeah. So he cut the the lines. I believe it was between Harrisburg and Baltimore, so Baltimore wouldn't find out. Um, and then they got to Baltimore late at night. That's illegal. What he did was illegal? Was he uh, committing crimes? Well, here's the thing. Now it would be illegal. Yeah. Because those are like half public, half private. Yeah. Back then, these are all private. So I'm pretty sure he just went to the Telegraph people, was like, yo, President said I got to cut these lines. And they were like... Yeah, I don't. Sure, okay. All right. Yeah, I guess you're right. Okay. Because again, they're also private companies, so it's like he probably like, just called the company owner and was like, eh, "Well, he didn't like, call them. They didn't have phones." Oh, well, you know what I meant. He telegraphed them, and he's like, "Oh, you can't hear me because the line's been cut, bitch." What? I'm <laughs> Alan Pinkerton. <laughs> anyway, so they get him on his train car and they put him through. Uh, they put him through Baltimore late at night. Okay. They hide the train. The the changes. And by the time anyone even realizes, uh, Lincoln is in D.C. at 6 a.m. before the inauguration. Yeah. Um, Lincoln regrets this for the rest of his life. Why? Because everyone straight up calls Lincoln a little bitch. And they draw pictures of Lincoln, like, wearing a nightgown and, like, a stupid little hat. Like, a sleeping hat. And, like, looking out of a train car at, like, a scared cat. Like, he's like, oh, my God, I'm Lincoln. Everyone's like, you afraid of Baltimore, dude? You can't even fucking hang in Baltimore. Having just been to Baltimore, okay, I, was I would be like, yo, I can't <laughs> hang in Baltimore. But um, so Lincoln. I like the idea that, like, he rerouted his trip and, like, for safety reasons. They're like, oh, you fucking pussy bitch. Like, yeah. they're like, you definitely got around us but you're the idiot like they didn't have a backup plan yeah no they there was nothing they didn't lay this out in any other way they're like i no, definitely do we're just gonna like we're just gonna start a fist fight in the street yeah trust and believe yeah the cops bop, gonna bop, be, bop. the cops would be like whoa and then lincoln's be like what's happening oh i'm dying and like all he had to do was get, like shift the train ride one hour and their their plan is shit and oh, they're yeah. like you're you're a little bitch baby well it wasn't one hour it was like four hour four or Whatever. five hours but the thing is is like the people of Baltimore like showed up being like yeah we're here for the Lincoln speech and they're like hey he already passed through and everyone's like yo what the fuck like he said he stopped everywhere else yeah but he just blew past us so, like all the people of Classic. Baltimore were like 
Fuck this yeah, dude. Classic. Oh, you you're afraid of Baltimore? You afraid of Baltimore? I'm not afraid of Baltimore. I like Baltimore. It's I nice. think it's I was just there. It's lovely. Um so one of the things that happened though during this is that Kate Warren, mm-hmm. she stayed up all night. Okay. She didn't sleep during this entire t- time during That's the not Baltimore healthy. You plot. should definitely be sleeping. And she never closed her eyes. Okay. And this is what this is what uh, catapulted Pinkerton to national fame. Okay. Because he was like, we, they were going to kill the president and we foiled the plot. Yeah. The Baltimore plot. Okay. Only the Pinkertons could have done this. Obviously, no one else could have done this. Kate never even slept. She kept her eye on him the entire time. He was never in any real danger. And so Alan is smart. And what Alan does is he immediately changes the symbol. So before it was just said Pinkerton National Detective Agency. Yeah. Now it says Pinkerton National Detective Agency. And in the middle of it, he puts an eye. And Mm. underneath in quotes, he writes, we never sleep. Yeah. And that to this day is Pinkerton's slogan. Pinkerton, we never sleep. Now, historians and people at the time are like, there absolutely was no plot. Oh, shut up, really? Now, we don't know. We don't know. Because the love, thing is, is like- I we, love the idea of marketing that is like you make up the plot yourself to sell your goods. Yeah. And then you're like, look how a good job we did. No, we did a good <laughs> job. He never got stabbed. But also, but the thing is, though- Because is, Pinkerton is the one that told him there was a plot. Yes. Mm. And and Lincoln's- um, Lincoln had a bodyguard who was a close friend of his, was just a really big guy. Yeah. Um, and his bodyguard was like, no, like this isn't, this ain't shit. Like this isn't like a real, oh, there's going to be a tussle I and then they're going to stab you. I just like, pictured Abraham Lincoln's bodyguard as John Fetterman. That's how I pictured him. Kind of. Just like in, in gym shorts and a hoodie. Yeah. Being like, nah, it'll be fine. He was, a, I don't have his name pulled up here, <laughs> but he was a very big guy. And honestly, the reason why Lincoln was assassinated is because Lincoln actually sent the guy away. He sent him to Richmond that night. What? You don't, no, don't, what are you doing? What? He, he sent him to go deal with like you know, stuff closing up the war. And he, mm. was one, he was one of his most trusted friends, yeah. which is why. So like that guy would always like have a gun on himself. He'd always have like a knife. At one point, he like offered Lincoln a gun and a knife to be like, just in case, you know, like we're, we're rolling through like enemy territory. Yeah, here. you're going to Baltimore. Yeah, like before the inauguration. And uh, Alan Pinkerton was the one who was like, no, like I don't want to see the president of the United States shouldn't need to be armed to take office. Like, what does that say about us as a nation? And no. like the bodyguards, like, I don't know, dude, what does it say about us as a nation is like riding through fucking Baltimore like a little bitch with tinted <laughs> windows. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. Wow. But okay. So, um, so anyway, that, that made them famous. Okay. Uh, then the civil war started and the Pinkertons, uh, then became more famous. They did a lot of spy work for the North. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate was involved with a bunch of that. Uh, they worked for the first couple of years. They did work as bodyguards for Lincoln. Um, but eventually, um, they, they stopped doing that because they were doing so much stuff, you know, for the spy side of things. Okay. Now I was going to make a joke as you did earlier that they didn't do a great job at that second time. That Lincoln was uh, assassinated? Almost assassinated? Yeah, that, that, that one where John Wilkes Booth actually got him. Yeah. Uh, the Pinkertons were not involved with that. They, they were actually, D.C. in 1865 had just created the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police. Mm-hmm. And there was a guard that was supposed to be at the door for protection. And as the play started, uh-huh. that guard walked to a tavern next door and got shit-faced. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, he did. He was oh. he was a drunk. First and day the thing work. is, And First it, here's the thing work. is, classic cop. 
the DC police hadn't even been around for that long. This yeah. dude had already been written up like six times for like public drunkenness, like oh on God. the job. He at one point he was written up for, for belching. Well, they straight up were just like, dude, you you're clearly drunk. He's like, I ain't drunk. And they're like, dude, you're you're about to throw up. Yeah. Um. And here's even better, even better. Yeah. So he that guard was actually threatened with hanging for dereliction of duty. Okay. Um. And when you say threatened, do you mean he just got put on desk duty? No, worse. Uh, so they were like, no, we're going to try you for dereliction of duty. But like there was some weird technicality. I couldn't find out exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. But they had to drop the case. Oh, my God. Because they had some technical. Because it was, again, it was a quickie <sighs> trial. Like they were just going to get it done. Like we're going to fuck it. Because they also yeah. thought he might be part of the plot. Okay. And then everyone's like, no, he's an idiot drunk. Like yeah. he shouldn't have even been at the door. And it was clear could have scheduled anybody else on that shift. Yeah, but it was also clear that John Wilkes Booth thought there was going to be a guard. Yeah. To the point where John when John Wilkes Booth got there was like, there isn't a guard. Well, I'm I'm still gonna do stuff like there was a guard because like he had like drilled a hole in one of the doors. Yeah. He like put up like a bar and stuff like that, like blocks so that way a guard couldn't come in. Yeah. Because like it's the whole thing's crazy. But anyway, this guard, they're like, we're gonna hang you for dereliction of duty, but like it was a weird technicality. That he couldn't even be tried for it. Okay. So we went back to his his day day job at the DC Metropolitan Police, uh-huh. where he was immediately put back on rotation. Okay. To be Mary Todd Lincoln's guard. Okay. Yeah. And she didn't say anything. Oh no, she talked shit. Okay, good. She good. was like, "You're the reason my husband's dead. Every you day. killed my husband. Every day. Keep him on that shift. I'm gonna talk shit every day." No, and she told him, "She's like, go away. I don't want to see another death happen." And uh, he eventually drank himself to death. Oh, so, I guess that's also yeah. like her telling him to go away. I'd be like, "No, bet. See you tomorrow. Yeah. I'm gonna talk mad shit tomorrow too, mm-hmm. and the next day, and the next day." So then, in 1871, the Justice Department is formed. Okay, um, it's barely funded. Yep. Uh, they give it about fifty thousand uh, dollars. The Pinkertons are immediately hired uh, because they don't have money to actually hire actual agents, and they don't quite know how they're going to set it up. So they hire the Pinkertons as kind of a proto FBI. Great. So that's how you start to see the Pinkertons now spreading out mm-hmm. because at that time you have like you have like the the postal guys. You know, there's like some postmen who who get guns. Yep. Uh, the postal investigators. The postal US, inspectors. Postal inspectors. Yeah. Uh, I know that's a job you always wanted. Oh my God, I'd be so good at that. U.S. Marshals, you know, they mm-hmm. famously were working around that time. And that's, there's like one or two other small agencies, but that's about it for federal agencies. So the Pinkertons end up kind of stepping in and filling in that position for a while. Yeah. The U.S. government is paying them. And that starts in 1871. In 1872, the Spanish government hires Alan Pinkerton hmm? to help suppress a revolution in Cuba. Um, and that that revolution in Cuba intended to end slavery and give all citizens the right to vote. Okay. So at, theoretically, Alan should not take this gig. Yes. Alan should not take this Alan gig. Alan should be like, this is against my ethics and moral code and the mission statement of my company, because they definitely have mission statements back then, and not take that job. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happened? He took the job. Yeah, of course he did. And he suppressed that revolution. Oh, my God, Alan. You yep. asshole. Yeah. Because it's classic Alan. He saw, he was like, how much money? Now, eventually, eventually Spain did get rid of slavery and uh, there's, you know, stuff like eventually worked out mm-hmm. a little more. And then America invades. But we're not getting into all that. Okay, we're not going to Because I that. hate this period of history. Oh, my God. 1874. Yeah. Uh, this is when the Pinkertons finally start moving into the Wild West shit. Okay. Uh, you heard of Jesse James? Yeah. 
Not the guy who does the tattoo art and motorcycles and shit. And, and the Nazi. Yeah, not the Nazi. Oh, you did, I can't press the button. Oh, I, I never did hit the button, Well, though. you can't now because you brought up Jesse James. Jesse James. Famous Nazi. Uh, Jesse James is part of the James Younger gang. Alan Pinkerton accepts a contract to capture the James Younger gang. Now, they, the Younger, the Jesse James and the Youngers were starting to rob a lot of major trains, causing a ton of havoc and all this stuff. And this is where stuff gets, like, stupid. Okay. Um, so they send a Pinkerton agent out. I think they're in Missouri. And uh, they're trying to figure out, like, where they are. And the Youngers, the Younger brothers, kill a Pinkerton agent. What? And then one of the young- Younger brothers also get killed. Alan takes this whole thing personally. Yeah. And has a personal vendetta against Jesse James. <laughs> okay. He's like, I'm going to fucking kill Jesse James. Uh-huh. So uh, I'm going to read the following. On the night of January 25th, 1875, Allen staged a raid on the homestead. Detectives threw an incendiary device into the house, exploding it, killing James Young half-brother Archie, named for Archie Clement, and blowing off one of Zerelda Samuel's arms. Afterward, Pinkerton denied that the raid's intent was arson. But biographer Ted Yeatman found a letter by Pinkerton in the Library of Congress in which Pinkerton declared his intention to, quote, burn the house down. Many residents were outraged by the raid on the family home. The Missouri State Legislature narrowly defeated a bill that praised James and the Younger Brothers and offered them full amnesty for all of their crimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Allowed to vote and hold office again, former Confederates in the legislature voted to limit the size of rewards the the governor could offer for fugitives of the law. This extended a measure of protection over James Young, the James Younger gang by minimizing the incentive for attempting to capture them. The government had offered rewards higher than the new limit on only Frank and Jesse James. I got to say it again, okay? Police forces, like the Pinkertons, mm-hmm. okay, shouldn't be blowing up city blocks. Yeah. That was basically what... I, I, you can't move bomb people. <laughs> this was basically wake up. Yeah. This is basically wake this up. This is not... Jesse James is staying at a ranch yeah. with some people. Because one of the things is Jesse James was a former Confederate soldier. And so he was... Much like Nazis in Argentina, there was a system of like ex-Confederates that would move these guys around. Ooh. You know, wait. Here we go. Ready? Um, so, because you said Jesse James, the Nazi tattoo artist. Yes. Who was famously in a relationship with Kat Von D, the tattoo artist, uh-huh. who claims to be Hispanic. And that's what she was like. I can't be a Nazi because I'm Hispanic. But then it turns out she's actually just from Argentina. Argentina and her last name is like Von Duchmula. And it's like, ah, babes. Yeah. Babes, don't make us do an ancestry DNA on that one, yeah. babes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we know we know that your family tree ends in a rat line, baby. Oh, no. Um. So after that, Alan basically gives up on uh, Jesse James. Um, he just gives up? He, he, they they kind of back away. And then eventually Jesse James is killed uh, by the coward Robert Robert Ford. I think that's the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, you can learn more about Jesse James. Again, uh, I don't... This isn't a Jesse James uh, podcast episode. Yeah, I don't care. Um, and then Alan Pinkerton dies in 1884. How'd he die? So there's a few theories. What do you mean theories? There's just like, well, how the, did he die? There's like medical theories. What do you mean medical theories? So part of it is that um, he... Their website doesn't say? Well, no, it's not that his website their, doesn't say. Their logo, he Alex just uh, pulled up the Wikipedia, and their logo 
it gives very like 1984 vibes. Well, it's, it's like the eye from CBS. It's like the CBS. No, eye. but it's like it's got bad energy. Oh yeah, because it's also a peering eye. Yeah, like it has that it's little not, triangle. It's not CBS. It's like oh, this is so. All right. So in July first, 1884, uh, it's said that Pinkerton slipped on some pavement in Chicago, uh, bit his tongue, and got gangrene. Okay, that, you know what? That checks out for Chicago during this time period. Places covered in manure. Yep. And just no, like, uh, what's it called? Like, public sewer systems. There's disgust. It's like the grossest city when you read the history of what Chicago was like at this time. And if you would slip on literal shit on the sidewalk and bite your tongue, you would die. <laughs> so there's that. But also, there's other reports saying that he had succumbed to a stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, that he had also had a stroke a year prior, mm-hmm. or that he had contracted malaria as he had just returned from a trip from the southern United States, okay. where malaria was pretty rampant. So, like, anyway, any of them could listen. Ha- could have happened. All you need to know is that Alan Pinkerton definitely died with a big old bucket of shit in his pants. Okay, all right, like, not feeling good. No, he didn't wasn't feel a great. clean death. He didn't feel great. So with that. Or what do you think he was murdered by H.H. H. Holmes, also part of Chicago at this time? No, I don't believe so. <laughs> I'm starting a new fanfic so. <laughs> where H.H. H. Holmes uh, lures Alan Pinkerton into the, what was it called? The the White House? I don't remember. The murder house? Yeah, like he had the house yeah, with yeah, all yeah. the, he we're, built We're not doing this. I'm sorry. We're not doing this. I'm just, it's. We're not doing this. Some of us like the history of Chicago at this time. It's interesting. Here's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm going to take a break. Okay. I'm going to play a bumper by His Name Was Dust. Okay. And when we come back, all right. we're going to get into all the fucked up things the Pinkerton Agency did. It's been pretty fucked Because up. they love to, to hide behind the fact that Alan died in 1884, right? Okay. And they're like, listen, the Pinkerton, you can't blame Alan, though, because the Pinkerton Agency didn't start doing the really crazy stuff. You know, the Homestead Riot and all these things didn't happen until 1893. No, fuckers. Alan started doing this shit immediately in 1870s. And we're going to get into that after this break. back yeah yeah that was a good little break yeah i had a nice time that's good (laughs) all right so we're gonna rewind a little bit okay we're gonna rewind back to kind of the 18 late 1860s 1870s okay um so one of the things that happens is after the civil war in the north at least there is kind of like a boom you know like things are going good okay uh because you know especially in the 1880s there would be this issue where you basically every 10 years, the entire economy would collapse. Okay. It happened a lot, yeah. but then it would go like really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, yeah, that's a cycle. Yeah. No, we've, we've, we've solved this problem now. It doesn't happen every 10 years now. Oh, it, are you sure? Yeah, no, I'm positive. I was taught in school that we don't deal with this anymore. Oh. This isn't how we live. Okay. Uh, that's how they taught me in the late 90s. They were like, we don't have to worry about these booms and bust cycles anymore. Okay. Uh, but there was a man... Named Franklin Benjamin Gowan. Okay. All right. And Frank Frank Gowan, Mm -hmm. G-O-W-E-N. Frank eventually became the president of the Philadelphia and Reading Railroad Company. Okay. Uh, Most people know, if you've ever seen model trains, especially ones based in the United States, you'll see like a Reading Railroad car. Yeah. That is, that's still this company. Um, They were centered mostly in Reading, Pennsylvania. Mm Mm-hmm. And the areas around there. So northeastern Pennsylvania was their, their big area. And they used that as a hub. And what Frank did is Frank 
who grew up in Philadelphia, he started to uh, build up an idea of to monopolize mm-hmm. the coal in the area using the Reading Railroad. Okay. Because he's like, why are we buying coal to do our stuff? Like, we should just mine our own coal. And then we could also sell the coal. Mm-hmm. So Frank comes up with this idea. Um, and what he does after he assumes the presidency is he starts to control the production and to stabilize the production of coal along the Schuylkill River. And so from um, 1869 to 1870, uh, there's fluctuations in the coal traffic. But they, he ends up having a dispute with a loose coalition of mine operators mm-hmm. known as the Anthracite Board of Trade. Okay. And a young union that is started up called the Working Men's Benevolent Association. Now. <laughs> what a name. Yeah, the WBA. Mm-hmm. Not the WNBA, just the WBA. <laughs> so what they do is they come up with this thing called the Gowan Compromise. And it's a sliding scale arrangement that ties the wages of the miners to the rise and fall of the anthracite market market prices. So if the coal is more expensive, you'll get paid more. But if you're selling coal cheap, you're not going to get paid as much. Okay. And the miners accept this because right now it's really good. Yeah. So they'd be leaving money on the table Mm -hmm. instead of just taking a flat wage. But what happens when the rich people exploit the situation by fucking with stock prices? So that's exactly what happens. <laughs> and uh, so uh, that's 100% what happens. And uh, Frank, they start having arguments back and forth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Frank, out of nowhere, just starts to, he says the following, uh, because he had a theory that the miners' union was associated with a murderous criminal association. Oh, Sure. Uh, so he said, quote, the organization first came into full-fledged existence in the regions in 1869. Then they formed the Working Men's Benevolent Association, extending throughout the entire coal fields of Pennsylvania. I do not charge this Working Men's Benevolent Association with it, but I say there is an association with votes in secret at night that men's lives shall be taken and that they shall be shot before their wives murdered in cold blood for daring to work against the order. I do not blame this association, but I blame another association for doing it. And it happens that the only men who are shot are the men who dare disobey the mandates of the working men's benevolent association. So they were shooting the scabs? What Frank is claiming is that there is a union. Yeah. And inside the union. A second union. There's a second union of murderers. In the benevolent union. Yes. It has the word benevolent in its name. Yes. Because you have to have, you have to imply criminality. Yes. Therefore, you can cut the legs out of Listen, something. Listen, he's, he's not say, he's saying not all min- minors. Yeah. All right. But- oh, you think I don't know that Frank, who grew up in Philly, but then moved to writing to the suburbs? Because he's like, ah, oh, this used to be a good neighborhood. I got to go out. It's fucking Reading. Start a business. When are they going to seize the means of production? <laughs> so here's here's what happens. is One of the things, one of the issues that they've been having is Frank himself, actually, he comes from Irish stock. Yeah. So he, he is um, he, Irish Protestants. So really English, but grew up in Ireland. Irish Protestants. Yeah. So he's okay. like a second or third generation All right. over here. But one of the things that was happening is that most of the, the miners initially were either of English and Welsh descent. Mm-hmm. But then they got they got uppity about you know how much they're being paid. Uppity, okay. yeah. 
So then they brought in Irish people yep. to undercut them because they're like, well, if you're not going to do a job for 15 cents a day, this Irish guy will do it for 12. So fuck you. Yeah. And that's what they were doing. And they still do that today with immigrants that come from South America. Yes, that's 100%. It's, but you said this, we weren't repeating history. No, we're not repeating history. Okay. Because right? they're using the Irish. Okay. So, so what happens is a, f- a few things happen at the same time. Uh, one thing that happens is that they start making more mine shafts and all these different things, and that Frank doesn't pay to put in a second exit. Oh, my God. I was going to ask you about the working conditions. They're terrible. <laughs> sure. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. It's something like 1,200 people die a year in yeah. these mines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they all have black lung. They're going through all these different issues. They're yeah. not being paid shit. 400 dead canaries. Some people are going in and checking in on the areas, and they're saying, hey, you know, one of the things that's happening is that um, some of these guys have certain amounts of, of mine carts they have to fill up to the point where they're not even eating their lunches. Yeah. Uh, they're working seven days a week. Mm-hmm. You know, all these different things. You're describing and, an Amazon warehouse. Funny. We'll get into that. <laughs> so, um, you know, this this stuff is is getting worse and worse and worse. And so eventually, um, in 1870, obviously, the, the Gowan Compromise starts to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Because in 1873, the panic of 1873 hits. What was the panic about? It's basically, it, the panic is, it's a it's hard to explain, but it's a, another financial depression. Oh. And, it, and it's not the Great Depression. Yeah. But it's known as the Long Depression. Bro, been there. So for quite a few years, a lot of things are suppressed. And one of the things that happens is that a lot of the railroad companies shut down. So we go from hundreds of railroad companies mm-hmm. to smaller and smaller amounts. So more and more Are of the these... little ones getting gobbled up by the big ones? Yes, 100%. Great. And so- That we... always turns out super well. Yes. So over time, you have less and less options. Mm-hmm. One of the things that happens is during this time, the coal prices start to slip more. Yeah. And so finally- uh, Frank keeps bringing up these, there's gotta be, there's these secret murderers that are out there. <laughs> he just keeps bringing it up. I like that he just plants this story. He does. He 100% does. And part of it is based on stuff that used to happen back in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So in Ireland, the English would send land agents, which are basically property managers to farms. Yep. And the Irish would murder them. Yeah. Get, <laughs> because uh, immediately. It happened all the time. Yeah. But Frank was like, this is just what the Irish do. If you if you ever if you ever talk back to them, they kill you. Well, he should have uh, figured out what that land agent was trying to do. Yep. And why why he was getting murdered. And so eventually what happens is uh Frank hires uh the Pinkertons. He meets with Alan Pinkerton in October of 1873. And uh, this Pinkerton's account says the following. Gowan lays out in some details the existence and the background and nature of a criminal secret society called the Molly Maguires. Mm -hmm. Now, if you live in Pennsylvania and you took any sort of local history, you will have heard of the Molly Maguires. If you live anywhere else in the country, Mm -hmm. I just said probably a punk band to you. That's what that really sounds like. The Molly Maguires, as time will show. Mm Mm-hmm. Never fucking existed. My favorite part about Molly Maguire's uh, history is that in Philadelphia and pretty much every surrounding area, there is a bar named Molly Maguire's. Always. <laughs> that your underage drinking asses at on St. Patrick's Day on the Shamrock Shuttle. Baby, we're going to Molly Maguire's, you know? We're so, drink green beer. Yeah. That's what you do. 
You gotta go to Molly Maguire's. <laughs> Flogging it's- Molly. Gotta listen to Flogging Molly. Go to Molly Maguire's. Oh my God. Do some Molly. No, don't do Molly. Allegedly. Too old. So what uh, What Alan does is Alan uh, sends some agents. Mm-hmm. And part, part of what they do is they uh, they start supervising the coal and iron police. Yeah. Now, the coal and iron police is actually a private police force that is paid for by the coal and iron industries. By to, the barons? By the, yeah, by the robber barons. Yep. They're paid, but they have a charter through the Pennsylvania State Legislature. Cool. So what they do is they go through and they're supposed to be looking over all of the coal and iron industry. Mm-hmm. So they're supposed to be protecting those. They're not supposed to go into town and things like that. And when you say protect the industry, you mean the workers? They're supposed to protect, you know, like the, like the, you know, like the, 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 the mine and the, the furnace and the all these different things. The you protecting know. the property. Yeah, they protect property. Okay. You know, that's what police reform to, to protect property. <sighs> to protect and serve property. I know. All right. So the, Man. so basically, so they're there. And they 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 were put in a the, the coal and iron police were created in 1865. Mm-hmm. Again, they're paid for completely, completely by this. Yeah. Uh, Pinkerton starts working with the Reading Railroad, and then they're they're kind of overseeing these local guards. He sends in a detective named James McParland. Okay. Now James himself was Irish. Yeah. And James eventually says that he infiltrates the inner circle of the Molly Maguires. But, okay, which doesn't exist. Which doesn't exist. <laughs> okay, cool. So what, James is just lying on his resume. Yeah, Got 100%. So what James does is is he's there for quite a few years. There are murders. But as time goes on, James keeps going, yeah, these are just like, these aren't like, like yeah, that guy spoke up, but that guy was also like at the tavern that night and was fucking that other dude's wife. Like yeah. James keeps pointing out like, hey, it's been kind of quiet. Yeah. Like, more people are dying in the mines that are being shot and stabbed. I just want to point They're that like, out. They're like, these Molly Maguires murdered one guy. Now 10,000 people died in an elevator shaft. Yeah, exactly. But don't, mo- but don't pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, but eventually what they do is this kind of builds up uh, more and more. And 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 there finally comes in with a um, the uh, to Gowan finally decides at one point that he's going to break the union. Okay. So what Gowan does is he shows up one day and says, all right, <clears throat> here we go. Um, 20% cut for everybody. I'm cutting everyone's pay 20%. Oh, 20% cut of pay. I thought he was giving them a 20% cut of the profit. I got all excited. Nope. nope. Opposite. Opposite, Opposite day. He makes a massive cut. And what he does is he... Uh, starts this and it just becomes worse and worse. And so there's like more fighting. The strikes start happening, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, there are murders. There are different people that are are killed. Yeah. Um, you know, the one of the things that happens during this strike is that the workers, after about six months, the strike is defeated and the miners return their work. They uh, accept 20% uh, cut in pay. But the miners who are part of the Working Men's Benevolent Association, they're blacklisted forever. Yeah. They're never allowed to work in coal and iron or railroads or any of this different type of stuff. They have to They have to move. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also another group called the Ancient Order of the Hibernians, which is just kind yeah. of a general Irish association. Mm-hmm. 
they're constantly being accused of actually being Molly Maguire's. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens is the the Irish workers keep turning to judges and lawyers and policemen and trying to go, hey, the law says this, but the judges are all Welsh, German, and English. Yeah. And they're like, fuck you, you stupid Mick. Yeah. And so over time, what happens is that there ends up becoming two justice systems. You end up of, if you need something done, you could either go to the court and have them jack you around forever and not get anything done. Uh Or you could turn to, you know, local criminals or vigilantes Uh uh and get the stuff done that way. Hmm. And so over time, you end up with this situation where uh, you end up with two levels. Yeah. I don't see how that could be happening today. Nope. Can't see it at all. So um, in 1875, there is a thing happens called the uh, Wiggins Patch Massacre. Wiggins Patch. So 1875, a a woman named Ellen O'Donnell, McAllister, she's woken by a strange noise at 3 a.m. She wakes up her husband and says, hey, I heard a noise. At this time, around 20 masked men kick in the door and start firing into the house. Okay. As Ellen walked down the steps, she is shot at point blank range. She and her unborn baby are dead, along with her brother, Charles O'Donnell. Margaret O'Donnell is pistol whipped, and then uh, random boarders that are staying at the house are uh, attacked and accosted. A few people, uh, Charles McAllister is able to escape, along with his brother and a man named James McAllister. Um, they are able to get out and um, they were able to escape into the woods. Okay. Ellen's body and her brother's body were taken by train. Uh, their corpses were packed in ice and stored overnight. And then they were immediately buried. Um, see, the whole thing is Ellen's sister, Mary Ann, she was married to a man named uh, John Blackjack Cahoe whose nickname was the King of the Molly Maguires. Okay. And the accusation is that the Pinkertons uh, were the ones who ran in and did this, that this was a Pinkerton action. Okay. Um, In recent years, documents and communications have emerged between Frank Gowan, Alan Pinkerton, and the captain of the coal and iron police, Captain Linden, which strongly suggests that this tragic event was not only premeditated, but executed with precision, Furthermore, documents show that the funding for the massacre was paid for by coal and railroad money, and some sources say that billionaire Asa Packer may have fronted a good portion of the financial backing. Okay, I have questions. Yeah. Why did they put the bodies on ice just to bury them a day later? Um, They preserved them uh, to store them overnight uh, to then bury them to hide the fact that they shot a pregnant woman in the face. Okay, okay. They wanted to hide because, I mean, again, no one's digging up. Once the body's buried, people aren't really digging them up too yeah. often. Autopsies aren't the same. So a lot of it was just kind of like, hey, we want to get these away is a big part and of this. I feel like I missed it because you with so much information. Yeah. Why was the who was in the house that they wanted to get the king of the Molly Maguires? They wanted to kill the 20 year old girl. Oh, because her sister was married to the king of the Molly Maguires. What, what, uh, listen. It sucks to be a woman. We went over this before. Uh, why are we trying to kill sisters? Usually in this time period, nobody gives a shit if your sister dies. 
because it was just one of those things to, to break the clan structure, mm. Irish clan structure, all those different things. It was the idea was we're going to instill terror. Listen, you yeah. may be costing us money, but we'll not only kill you, we'll kill your whole family. Yeah. And again, Alan Pinkerton's alive during this time. Alan Pinkerton yeah. is part of the planning of this. This wasn't on their website. This is I not on their website. I don't that on the timeline you read. Yeah, if you remember the- So again, woman the is- timeline, The timeline went 1870. Mm-hmm. They created mugshots. Yep. And in 1906, they have 20 different offices. Yeah. So- So a person asleep in their bed, a police force of sorts comes barging in and shoots her mm-hmm. in her sleep. Definitely doesn't happen today. Definitely doesn't happen okay. today. Okay. All right. What happened next? Um, so eventually, you know, there's more murders and there's more stuff that's happening. You know, cops are being killed. Uh, suspected Molly Maguire's are being killed. There's a mm. few different things that are happening. Eventually, they capture a bunch of people that they call Molly Maguire's. The, the made up name. Yes. Okay. Eventually, a bunch of the Molly Maguire's are captured um, using Pinkertons. Mm-hmm. They're they're all a big part of the system. This yeah. One. James James McParland is a big part of that. Um, one of the things they claim is that they would send coffin notices. Okay. Which is you can see here a picture. What of a it. beautiful image. Yeah. This is your house, and there's a picture of a casket with pistols drawn around it. Uh, basically, it's letting you know that you you will be. This you is like an killed. angry toddler. Yeah. Basically. Dog they basically get you. They they sent him a meme. Oh, they did. Um, so what they do is they hold, um, they hold these trials and guess who the prosecutor is? Who? Frank Gowan. How is he the the president? How is he the prosecutor? So, uh, he gets the county because Frank is a lawyer. (sighs) Oh no. He gets the county to make him a special prosecutor. So he can prosecute the crimes against the Molly Maguires. So he can prosecute the crimes against himself. Oh my God. So basically what happens is you end up in a situation that you have Frank getting up, going rabid about this imaginary group of Irish terrorists. Yeah, the fake murder group he made. The fake murder group. The uh, the Pinkerton, Frank pays for all of this stuff. He pays for the prosecution, everything. The only thing the state actually ends up doing mm-hmm. is providing a judge, a courthouse, and eventually gallows. Oh, my God. Okay. So um, the first trial happens and because um, a, a night watchman is killed and a man named Kerrigan becomes a state's witness and testifies against all the union leaders and a bunch of other minors. Because the big thing is at this point, he's like, all the union leaders are Molly Maguire's. We need to execute them. Mm-hmm. And this guy Kerrigan comes forward and says, uh, no, I saw it. I was a witness and I, I saw the murder. However, this guy Kerrigan's wife shows up Mm -hmm. and she testifies in the courtroom that her husband himself had committed the murder. (laughs) She testified that she refused to provide her husband with clothing while he was in prison because he had, quote, picked innocent men to suffer for his crime. She stated that she was speaking out voluntarily and was only interested in telling truth about the murder. Gowan cross-examined her, but he could not shake her testimony. Yeah. Others supported her testimony amid speculation that Kerrigan was receiving special treatment due to the fact that McParlin, the Pinkerton agent, was engaged to Kerrigan's sister-in-law, Mary Ann Higgins. The trial was declared a mistrial. Fucking son of a bitch. And then they held a new trial. Okay. 
Where, Double jeopardy. Where Mrs. Judd. Where Mrs. Kerrigan did not testify. Uh-huh. All five defendants were sentenced to death. Is Kerrigan, she okay? Is she in hiding? Where is Mrs. Never, Kerrigan? Never speaks of her again. Oh, great. Uh, Kerrigan was allowed to go free. And eventually, all these different men uh, were hung. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just one of the many things that the Pinkertons did. Okay. Now, just to give you a little bit of an aftermath and kind of a fallout from this. Yeah. Um, this starts to lead. So you have the Molly Maguire's issue happening. And this was, when was this? 1870-something. Again, because I hate that. Yeah, 1876. Now you end up in 1877. You end up with the Great Railroad Strike of 1877. Yep. And one of the things that happens is, again, because Gowan crushes the Union so badly Mm -hmm. in this area. Yeah. Much like the way when Elon Musk fired most of Twitter. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, what's his name? Zuckerberg started firing a bunch of people at Facebook and you start seeing all these tech guys. They all copy off each other. Yeah. And as Gowan's doing this crazy shit, all the other barons, all the other guys with all this money all throughout the 1870s are like, yo, this shit's great. We can do this. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps proving it time and time again. We can do this. So what ends up happening is that um, in the spring of 1877, the heads of four major U.S. Uh, lines, the B&O, the New York Central, the Erie, and the Pennsylvania Railroads, held meetings together. Mm-hmm. And they determined that by working together, they could all earn more and spend less. Oh, wow. You want to get that bottom line bigger, baby? Oh, no. So what they decide to do is they start uh, cutting wages. Yeah. And this spreads all across, all across the nation. Yeah. And then there starts to be strikes. Yeah. And the strikes spread quickly and destructively. Yeah. There's deadly violence erupts in major cities. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Reading, Scranton, Pennsylvania, Buffalo, Chicago, San Francisco. It just keeps breaking out. Mm -hmm. Gowan institutes massive layoffs of brakemen across his railroad uh, he starts sanctioning and reinforcing the other railroads moves while he's gone. He starts building up an association with other railroads. This eventually is taken apart by Teddy Roosevelt mm-hmm. and then later by anti-monopoly movements. Yep. But this is happening across the gate, but the great strike keeps getting bigger and bigger. And eventually not only does it have to deal with uh, railroad people, but it spreads across the entire country because everyone's like, we're all being screwed and we don't have television or TikTok. So people are just yeah. angry and in the streets. Federal troops are eventually dispatched um, across the United States and it leads to uh, a couple different levels of suppression. Uh, this is also around the time of the 1877 Compromise, mm-hmm. which is the end of Reconstruction yep. with the inauguration of President Rutherford B. Hayes, Hear a man out. I know nothing about, but whose name I fucking hate. Hear me out. If all your railroad workers are striking because they want to be paid more and they want to have better working conditions, just have the president say no and send them back to work. Yep. I feel like that works. You just have the president You know say, what's even smarter? No, you're not allowed to go on strike because these trains need to keep moving. Yep. And I'm sure nothing bad will happen. Well, you know what? Uh, I, if, you, if you want more information about this, look up Ronald Reagan Airport or Joseph Biden train station <laughs> in Wilmington, Delaware. 
Um, so let me just wrap up a little bit here about Gowan before we get into the Redding Redding massacre. I hope people pee on his grave. So here's a fun thing about Gowan. No. Uh, it, he, it, uh, the, the How did he die? I'm getting to that. Oh, good. The railroad goes bankrupt. Ooh, nice. Because one of the things is Gowan was sitting on the biggest anthracite coal deposit, uh, in the world. Okay. He should have been the richest man in the world. But what went wrong? Uh, they discovered better coal in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and so everyone started buying Pittsburgh coal. They were like top quality out there now, in the pit. The other thing too, actually, which I didn't mention earlier, one of the things Gowan did is the Reading Railroad also controlled Port Richmond in Philadelphia. Fuck. Yeah, so Port Richmond was used for up to 100 coal barges at a time were being filled. Uh-huh. So the trains would come into Port Richmond in Philly. Yeah. And they would come in and they would fill, they would dump all their coal into there and then they would sell that to New York, Boston, or down to DC or all these different areas. So, Reading, the Reading Railroad really controlled most of Philadelphia, you know, the Northeast section of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. They controlled Reading. They controlled this huge swath running up to New York of coal, all these different things to run up and down the Delaware River and to the Atlantic Ocean. So, Huge areas of this. And and this whole time, it's every time people complained, he just brought in more Irish people. And then once the Irish were here long enough, if they complained, he would go, fuck you. You're all clearly Molly Maguire's and just start having them killed. Oh, my God. And Pinkerton is standing off to the side the entire time going like, oh, yeah, you can't trust the fucking Irishman. Like, that's... <sighs> so oh. it, that's all happening. So somehow he goes bankrupt, so, even though he has the most coal. Because he... he the biggest thing that he basically did is he kept putting on big bets on stuff. and it I kept was going to not... say gambling. Was basically, it gambling? It was, he was basically gambling the company. Oh, my God. Um, so in 1885, uh, Gowan planned uh, – so he gets kicked out at some point, And then in 1885, he tries to come back. Yeah. And he tries to take back over the railroad. Mm-hmm. Um, he Wait, has, did he get kicked out of his own company? Yeah, basically. He, he gets removed as president. He gets removed as control. Like slowly, they like whittle him out. I don't want to say this again, but succession. A hundred percent. No, this is this is uh this is Kendall. This he is gets, Kendall Roy. He got Kendall he Roy. Got, he gets Kendall Roy. But then just like Kendall, he comes up with a takeover plan. Oh, good. And he, he comes back on cocaine and he's like, I got a plan. Yeah, so he comes back and and basically what he does is he comes back with this great idea and this new reorganization plan. Okay. And he has all these optimistic earning estimates, and uh-huh, he's like, uh-huh. We're gonna be able to bring in new money, yep. you know, all this different stuff. Um, and he actually, they, I guess back then they held like actual elections to the position. Okay. Cause it wasn't done the same way, like through a board and the stock market and all these different yeah. things. It was done slightly I mean, different. I don't trust however it's done because the man basically bought a courtroom so he could play attorney to prosecute crimes he felt were being committed. Yeah. So I don't know how anything works. Um, but anyway, so he basically goes to like a convention. Okay. Holds, holds a campaign and he wins. And Gowan and his board of managers, Slate, were elected unanimously. Oh. And they adopted a resolution for a change in the receivership, so he's going to take back over the company. Okay. Um, all this different stuff. Uh, but that's when a syndicate shows up with more money. Nice. Cash a, offer. A syndicate run by J.P. Morgan. Oh, shit. And that just said, listen, we're just going to be stable and we're rich. And everyone went, yeah, we're going with that. Yes, because 
you're going to pick the stable rich guy who's just going to be like, let's keep it boring. Let's keep it calm. Instead of this guy who's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the courthouse and I'm going to put on my lawyer suit and I'm going to go prosecute crimes. Like, can you just sit on the board and like help us run this company? Could you stop killing the Irish (laughs) for a day? He's like, listen, I'm out to get these Molly Maguires. And they're like, we don't care about this. Could you help run the company? So I'm going to read you this quote from Wikipedia. And this is taken from- Is this about him dying yet? We're getting there. Okay. This is taken from an anonymous member of Morgan's syndicate. Okay. Okay. JP Morgan. JP Morgan, the yeah, syndicate. They described a central element of the proposed peace plan. Okay. Because that's what they were living. They're like, no, at this point, it's a peace plan. Yeah. Quote In order to do this, it has been found necessary to get rid of Mr. Gowan. We have all combined to get him out of railroad management, just as all the powers of Europe combined to crush Napoleon. <laughs> And there will be no peace until Mr. Gowan is in St. Helena, which is where they send yeah. Napoleon after he was at. <laughs> Quote, Gowan is an able and brilliant man, and in some respects, a veritable Napoleon. But he is no railroad manager. The trouble with Mr. Gowan is that he wants to be fighting all the time. When he was after the Molly Maguires, he was in his element. But as a railroad manager, he is a failure. Got him. Got him. Damn, that's what I'm saying. Focus on your job, my dude. So basically, after this, Alan, uh, he he went back and did like a little bit of law. He kept trying to get back into the railroad. Oh my god, let he, it go. He kept trying to get into like different stuff, and he kept being like, he'd like come in, and then they'd be like, hey, just fuck become off. a real estate agent, dude. Exactly. Uh, in December 13th, 1889, at Wormsley's hotel, Wormley's hotel in Washington D.C. Uh, Franklin B. Gowan was found dead uh, with a gunshot wound to the head. Oh, shit. Was it the Molly Maguires? That, that's what people thought. A lot of people thought. No, he was holding it, right? Uh, he was holding however, the, the Gowan family hired Captain Robert Linden of the Pinkerton Agency to investigate. Oh. Linden had been the, uh, was, was close, worked with Gowan closely. Uh, he discovered that Gowan had purchased the gun himself a few days earlier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, also that... Um, he was holding it in his hand. But also that Gowan, for, even according to his, his family, had been acting, quote, queerly for some time, and that there was a strain of hereditary insanity in his family. Yo, since day one, they didn't bring that up. Yep. Yep. Okay. So this guy's dead. What happens now? J.P. Morgan's in charge? Uh, Kind of. All right. But we're going to go back to 1877 again. Because I want to tell you about the Reading Railroad Massacre. Yeah, okay. All right. Because like I said, there was a lot of these different... Ran- you have things like the Haymarket Riots, mm-hmm. uh, the Reading Railroad Massacre. There's all... If you look through the history of labor in the 1870s, 1880s, 1890s, yep. it's just... You'll just come across, you're like, and then what happened? They're like, and then there's the so-and-so massacre. What happened then? We get Labor Day off. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. these were basically pitched battles in streets. In Reading, uh, again, this is having to do back with Gowan. I wanted you to know that he's dead just yeah. so you'd feel better. Makes me happy. Um, basically, in Reading, they, the engineers went on strike. Um, again, the Pinkertons are there. Uh, the engineers go on strike. Gowan and all those guys, they start blacklisting people left and right. Uh, but up until this point, while there had been strikes before, they were all like calm. It was like, we're holding a strike. Oh, no, you fired 25 people, whatever. Yeah. But at this point in, in 1877, it was hot. It was getting hot. Yeah. So 
Uh, it starts getting real bad on July 27th, 1877, when a car full of roof shingles was set ablaze while it was sitting on a railroad track. Oh, shit, dude. Roof uh, shingles are expensive. Yeah, in the middle of town. Uh, slowly, over time, it starts to spread that there's people start to gather. There's rioting. A um, They seized a passing coal train. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. put on the brakes and shut down the tracks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the manager. This is like Les Miserables right now. We're in the middle of the street. We got all the chairs yeah, out. No, they start, shit on fire, yeah, dude. they're starting to build barricades. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. gets fucking crazy. Um, the manager of the Philadelphia Ready Railroad appealed to the town sheriff, like, please, can you protect our property? Uh, the town sheriff is like, I do not have enough people. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a telegram is sent to the volunteer militia of the Pennsylvania National Guard, uh, and the brigadier general orders them down from Allentown to go to Reading. Uh, the town did little to nothing to stop the rioters, and the newspaper the next day reported that police, the police force was powerless to stop anyone. Because, again, all riots start the same way. I don't know, I don't know if you know this. Mm-hmm. Every riot starts with one sentence. Let's go. They can't stop all of us. That's true. Every riot, like legit. Yeah. That's what happened. I mean, if you go, if you go look at any target in any city (laughs) in June of 2020, it's, it's about six people looking around going like, how many security guards they got? Not enough. I'm looking. We got at least. I got. I got forty security. If I'm a security guard, I'm getting paid minimum wage. Yeah. A my a my job. So basically, on July 23rd, mm-hmm. uh, there's more rioting. Okay. And at this point... Because, again, like people are living on starvation wages. Yes. Everything is depressed. Yes. Their children are starving to death. Their jobs aren't paying them anything. And then there's oil barons who are ridiculously wealthy. You know, like dumb bl- rich. Blaming them and saying that they're secret... And then anybody that tries to unionize gets blacklisted. Yes. So you, li- you have to riot in the streets at this point. So uh, at this point, the 4th Regiment has shown up. Okay. And when they show up, they can't find the sheriff. They can't find the mayor. Sheriff left. And they're like, what the fuck? They moved two towns over, never to be seen again. But who they do find okay. is they find representatives from the railroad company who start giving them orders. Oh, all right. And they start taking them. The, uh, they're told to relieve a passenger train that has been stopped by the mob. So they start, the, the regiment starts marching towards the mob and the passenger train. Uh, when they're near an intersection, the they're kind of like in like a I get it looks like it's like a little bit of a divot and the yep. crowd's above them. The crowd is starts to throw stones at them. Yep. From above. Yep. And eventually one of the soldiers without orders. Now this has always been argued. And it's the same with the Boston Massacre back in 1775, all this stuff. Like, was there or of Kent State, any of these? Was yep. there an order or did somebody just pull the trigger? Yeah. So one of the soldiers shot fired at the mob and then when he shot the rest of the soldiers started shooting yeah the mob answered with a volley of more stones and pistols the regiment then kept firing some more this left between 10 and 16 people dead and around 50 people injured including five police officers who were on duty one of which who later died eventually uh the entire streets are cleared and everything's closed down um and it it just now they're in for a bad night. Okay. So upon hearing this, they send the 16th Regiment okay. to back up the 4th Regiment. Sure. Now let me tell you something about the 16th Regiment. Tell me. 16th Regiment, that the 4th Regiment's from Allentown. Yeah. 16th, 
Conshohocken. <laughs> Conchi? Yeah. All right. Conshohocken, just outside of Philadelphia. They arrive at 10 a.m. on July 24th, the day after. And they show up, and they're like, what the fuck is going on? And so the <laughs> a telegraph is sent to the guy who's in charge of the National Guard. Quote, my situation is not improved by the arrival of the 16th Regiment, which is, which is very disaffected. <laughs> the 4th is becoming anxious mm-hmm. and is also very much exhausted. Should have reliable troops without delay. The 6th Regiment is furnishing the strikers with ammunition and openly declared their intention to join the rioters in case of trouble. <laughs> if the troops do not reach us by dark, I cannot vouch for the safety of the city or my power to hold the depot. Stir heaven and earth to forward reliable and fresh troops. That's right. My boys from Conchahawken <laughs> showed up and said, you did what? I'll shoot you. You shot the people? Because that's, oh. that's exactly what happened. Soldiers began deserting <laughs> immediately. Yeah, Some yeah, of the yeah. 16th register, <laughs> 16th just started getting drunk with the random people in town, the yeah. strikers. And they were just walking through the streets, just threatening everyone who wasn't a striker. It's like the end of an Eagles game. Yeah. Because they're just like drunk and they're like, what, you won't fight me, bro? Yo, yo, all I'm saying, dude, is if I see somebody in the fucking fourth gear up here, dude, I'm going to go fifth gear on his fucking face, dude. I see the fourth regiment up in here. I promise you, it's going to look like a Mets fan, babes. Because it, it says here, this is from the Wikipedia, a great many were won over by the mob in their animosity towards the fourth. <laughs> That's, that is that is such conchy behavior. Yeah. Because it's like the fourth regiment theoretically could have just been like people from Jersey. Yeah. And they're like, it doesn't matter what you say. Fuck Jersey first and foremost. <laughs> so as the day progressed, there was a real and growing risk of an open fight between the 16th and the fourth. <laughs> So the, the, the general, the, the yeah. head of the Pennsylvania National Guard, he, before he, he even gets there, he telegraphs the actual federal government and says, send U.S. troops. We're going <laughs> to kill each other. <laughs> um, eventually, eventually, the 4th and the 16th were forced to march uh, besides one another to protect the people who were preparing the tracks that the rioters had ripped up. Okay. Uh, the crowds again gathered. They pelted the fourth with stones. Yeah. While cheering the 16th. <laughs> they were like, fuck you, fuck you. Dude, you're cool. Yeah. Six tooth, baby. <laughs> when some of the fourth raised their rifles without order again. Yeah. Colonel Shaw of the 16th and others of the men shouted that they not shoot. Some of the 16th subsequently threw their arms down tossed their ammunition to ammunition to the crowd and threatened the fourth openly saying that they would shoot them if they shot into the crowd <laughs> to avoid conflict the 14th the 4th and the 16th would march out of the city separately on different routes the 4th left for Allentown the 16th for Philadelphia yeah as the 16th marched out the local paper reported they were, quote, loudly cheered when they crossed Penn Street. <laughs> now, once they get outside the city, yeah. they then try to turn the fourth around and send them back into town. Oh. And the fourth literally mutinies. And they go, are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? We just made it out of there we alive. We just did this. We just made it out of there alive. Yeah. Now, again, again, this is one of these situations. So now there's a huge trial. 
Uh, 150 people are charged with violence. Uh, hundreds of warrants were issued. Blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, they start holding trials. Uh, 13 out of the 14 people who were uh, uh, put up were acquitted. Okay. Of the 63 people indicted for riots, only three were convicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company C, D, E, H, and I of the 16th Regiment were ordered disbanded for cowardice, insubordination, and mutinous <laughs> conduct. To which I say, this is a 16th Regiment house all day. Wait, I, where the fuck are the Pinkertons in this part of the story? Oh, I just want you to know generally what oh, was okay. happening. I and this like is just that. a fun one. That's great. I this love is, that. This is a, I mean, yeah, a 16th- lot of people died, but then the yeah. 16th showed up. We're like, yo, I'm from fucking Contra Hawking, dude. <laughs> Um, now there are others that now, now I also want to get, put you in the, in the perspective of the 1870s. Okay. Because the 1870s then send us to the homestead strike where the Pinkertons were insanely involved. Yeah. Now we're running out of time, so I'm going to kind of cut this a little short. Okay. But basically what you need to know is that Andrew Carnegie, Carnegie. Carnegie? Yeah. But it's Carnegie is how it was pronounced. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's Carnegie. Yeah, we say Carnegie, like Carnegie Hall, but it was yeah, Andrew and Carnegie. Carnegie Mellon. Yeah. Um this guy, he owned a giant ironworks mm-hmm. north of I think it's north of, of Pittsburgh. Yeah, in it's Homestead. in Pittsburgh, so that's where Carnegie Mellon is. Yeah. So um he had this this steel the steelworks up there. Yeah. And um basically there is a strike. There was a couple different strikes that had happened. And one of the things about uh, Andrew Carnegie is that he really was openly pro-labor. He was like, yeah. I'm the good billionaire. Yeah, okay. All right? Uh-huh. However, Suspicious. he leaves and goes to Scotland, and he leaves this guy, Henry Clay Frick, Frick in charge of the steelworks. Okay. Andrew's overseas, and they're going back and forth, and they're having strikes, and they're having arguments. And basically, it comes down to... That um, Frick hates these guys who are part of an amalgamated union. Okay. He hates them. Yeah. He says these guys are lazy. They don't do shit. We have to uh-huh. hire too many people. Blah, 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 blah. So they're having wage discussions and all this different stuff. And eventually it leads to a lockout. Okay. Not a strike. A lockout. They lock out the staff? Yes. Okay. So they lock out the staff. They turn off the furnaces. All these different things. Sure. And then the strike committee just declares, all right, well, if we're locked out, then we're also on strike. Yeah. So this is also an area where people, this is kind of a, a, this is an issue of property rights Mm -hmm. because the people working in the mill, they're like, yeah, we understand that his name's on the deed, but this is also ours because in a lot of these areas, the mill is the town. Yeah. The mine is the town. It's part of the commons. Yeah. You know, when we did Monopoly, when we talked about the Monopoly board game and the idea of the commons and all these different things and that one guy's ideas for how, you know, an actual fair institution of tax based on uh, land, not on, you know, all these other things. Yeah. This was part of that argument that was happening at the time. Yeah. Of how, what is really owned? Like, so this guy who doesn't own the place can now shut it down because he knows the guy who owns it. Yeah. It didn't make sense to the people. So um, they go back and forth for a few days and they, their handbells are put up ordering the strikers to stop 
Um, and one of the things that happened... Why are they ordering the strikers to stop if they've already closed the... Because they're, they're trying to now be, bring in scabs. Oh, there it is. Okay. So, they, and that so was it's also, only locked out to the staff. Yes. And okay. now, now there's also a racial element to this. Oh, great. Because this is the 1870s, and now we're in 1892. Mm-hmm. Part of this is because, um, you know, we've already run through a lot of the Irish. Yeah. You know, first you brought the English... Yep. The English complained, so you bring in the Germans. Mm-hmm. The Germans complained, you bring in the Irish. Yep. They complained. Now you bring in recently freed blacks. Yeah. So you have a bunch of Irish, German, English, Welsh people standing around, and they start to see black scabs brought in. And they're going to blame them because yes. they're the problem, not the rich yes. psychopaths. Yes. Got it. Mm-hmm. So this this... This happens a lot. And in fact, actually, in some of the letters we have from Pinkerton and to a lot of these different guys, when they're talking about whether or not a union would be able to hold a successful strike, they talk heavily about racial elements and about how whether or not there is a fracturing between the different groups. So if you have if the English and Welsh view themselves the same and that's who most of your strikers are going to be. Yeah, that's going to be a strong strike. Yeah. But if half of them are Irish, you can turn the English against the Irish. Yeah. And if you have English and vice versa. And, and if you have English and Irish and there's new groups coming in there called that are black, you yeah. can turn them against the black. And it's the same thing that's happening today where you have people using Hispanic workers. It's the same general yeah. idea. And they're like they're stealing our jobs. And as Florida's learning, turns out nobody else can work those jobs. Yes. Mm. 100%. Hmm. So uh, this brings us to the Battle of Homestead, okay. uh, where the Pinkertons were uh, hired. Yeah. Now, after I went through everything else, the, 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 this is like t- almost 20 years yeah. since the Molly Maguires. This is 20 years since a bunch of other different major things, the Haymarket riots, et cetera. And the strikers were fucking ready. Yeah. They've learned a few lessons. The Pinkertons show up a troop of 300 Pinkertons. They uh, were going to come sneak in. These these men though were both basically uh, they weren't professional soldiers. Yeah, these are men that are just handed Winchester rifles. They're placed on two barges, and uh, they're given badges that just say Watchmen, and they're going to march into town. Okay, so they're pushed across the river on these barges. Uh, someone spots them, Uh-oh. and they blow a plant whistle. The strikers then, in the thousands, uh-huh. including men, women, and children, yep. show up at the plant. And they show up at the dock. Yep. They immediately start pelting. The barge? Pelting the barge with rocks. Pelt the barge, yeah. Flip that thing. Then they start shooting. Yep, okay. Then someone pulls out a cannon. Uh-huh. Where'd they get a cannon? I don't. I have no idea. Just somehow there was a cannon. Listen. But legit, they grabbed every weapon they could, including yep. like an old Sink field the cannon. They, they miss repeatedly with yeah. the cannon. Um, but they just keep firing at them. At one point, they light a rail car on fire and push it down. <laughs> so a flaming rail car comes down. Um, it takes, this goes over hours. Yeah. Um, eventually, many of the Pinkerton agents refuse to participate in the firefight any longer. Uh, the, they started to swim away. They eventually took over the, um, the barge and were able to uh, get out. Um, but the Pinkertons panicked. Yeah. And their captain had to threaten to shoot anyone who fled, but eventually they had to give in. They also, the other thing they did too is they poured a bunch of uh, barrels of oil into the river and then lit the river on fire. Amazing. 
Um, it's fun because Alan Pinkerton used to make those barrels. Yes. It's, that's, yo, that's very smart. <laughs> At 4 p.m., uh, everything started to wind down. The 5,000 strikers had overtaken the 300 Pinkertons. Yep. Outnumbered. And the Pinkertons surrendered. Sure. Uh, they raised their white flag. And uh, they gave in. Eventually, the state militia shows up. Boo. And uh, there is a... Everyone realizes there's a way needs to be found out of the strike. And uh, this is the beginning of the end of the Pinkertons. Because after this moment, in 1893, Mm -hmm. they pass the Anti-Pinkerton Act of 1893. Yeah. And part of it... like So initially, when I was reading this, I thought it was because Congress was so... Finally on the side of labor. Yeah. You, they're known for always being on the side of labor. Because like there's like turns are starting to happen like around mm-hmm. this time, you know, like we start to get into like towards Teddy Roosevelt and yeah. towards the breaking up of monopolies, so all those things. So we know that they're not on the side of labor. So why do they do this? So it doesn't, I couldn't find it directly, but my new, my new theory. Okay. Is that the Pinkertons fucked up so badly at Homestead. Yeah. That. Congress passed a law that was like, yeah, bro, we're not associated with you because you lost so bad. Yo, that's very Trump energy. Yeah, because it's one of those things where like the Pinkertons were doing fucked up shit. So I I keep mentioning the Haymarket riots. There's accusations that the Pinkertons are the one who threw the bomb into the crowd that started the gunfight. Yeah. There's a few other things where they would show up and they would have, you know, they would have agents go undercover to be agent provocateurs. Yeah. And what the Anti-Pinkerton Act does is it states, quote, that hereafter no employee of the Pinkerton Detective Agency or similar agency shall be employed in any government service or by any officer of the District of Columbia. And that's still that's still law to this day. So then how are the Pinkertons still around? So the way they're still around today is that this law states that they can't be hired by the government. Mm. But they can still be hired by other organizations and other governments. Oh. So as I stated before, uh, the Pinkertons. Where are they now? That's what we need to know. Well, where they are now is, like I said, they were purchased by. They're corporate entities. They were purchased by Securitas AB Mm -hmm. uh, for $384 million. Okay. And um, they were put together and then they were put under the name uh, Pinkerton. Yeah. And uh, let's see. In recent years, uh, this is just from Wikipedia, in 2020, mm-hmm. uh, they were hired by Amazon Oh, to spy on warehouse workers for signs of union activity. <sighs> what? That's crazy. In, Who would do that? In 2022, it was revealed that Starbucks had hired uh, Pinkerton agents as part of union busting efforts. Mm. Look at that. What? Back to their old shit. Um, it, it's not old if you just never stop. It's not you old if you never stop. But the reason why uh, I, I did this is because, uh, and I made a TikTok about it, was that Wizards of the Coast, which is owned by Hasbro. Yeah. Wizards of the Coast, the makers of Magic the Gathering, mm-hmm. uh, recently got in trouble because they had hired Pinkerton agents yeah. to go to a YouTuber's home. Yeah. Uh, what had happened was a YouTuber bought Magic the Gathering cards from his local game store mm-hmm. or a supplier. And he had accidentally gotten an early release yeah. of new cards that were supposed to come out. And he realized this and was still making YouTube videos about it. And the thing is, is these YouTube videos were not that big yeah. initially. Like initially, they were not a big deal. Like he was getting maybe two or 300 views. Yeah. But Magic the Gathering and Wizards of the Coast 
saw that he was publishing them ahead of the release, two weeks ahead of the release. Okay. And so they hired the Pinkertons because this guy wasn't answering any of their emails or any of their reach their responses. They probably had the wrong email. They probably did, but also like you could send a certified letter, a cease and desist. Like there's other different ways you yeah. can you deal with no, this. No, just send Pinkertons to nope. his house. They sent the Pinkertons. The Pinkertons use intimidations and threats of detention, arrest, fines, and jail to force compliance with their goal. Eventually, according to Wizards of the Coast, this was after several attempts have been made to contact the individual in private with no response. So again, who cares? Send you have, me a fucking letter from the courts. You have yeah. Hasbro, one of the largest toy companies in the world, reaching out to you and you ghost them. You, you just don't answer the phone. And their first response is, I'm going to send armed men to your house who are going to threaten to have you in jail forever for showing a card on YouTube. Yeah. And the thing is, is I talked to a friend of mine. His name was Dusk. Yeah. Who loves Magic the Gathering, uh, yeah. plays the game a lot. And he actually explained to me why this was such a big deal. Because one of the things is that Magic the Gathering YouTubers are offered, each of them individually get offered like, oh, you can premiere this card. Like, because they're like oh, 100 okay. new cards. Oh, was somebody else supposed to premiere this card? Yeah, So, but this kills like their entire advertising strategy. But the thing is, is their advertising strategy is free advertising to begin with. Yeah. They're giving their cards to YouTubers to show off like, oh, look, it's a new white eyes blue dragon or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Here's yeah. its stats. Here's its thing. But in reality, it's not like Magic the Gathering is paying for advertising. Yeah. And on top of that, it's a card that was going to come out in two weeks. But the reason the mix up happened to begin with is because Magic the Gathering is now releasing so many sets concurrently mm -hmm. that are so similar to each other that this set was supposed to be called March of the Machine, The Aftermath. Oh. But the prior set, I think, was called like March of Machine, Armageddon. So the guy at the shop oh. receives this and goes, I don't fucking play Magic. It's March of the Machine, Whatever. right? So he doesn't even know. So it I becomes like this whole fucking thing. I of the ghost of Alan Pinkerton... The Scotsman, the man who like was like, I'm going to build this company from the ground up like a goddamn barrel. The psychopath that started all of this and like haunting the ghost, like haunting the company that exists now and watching them have to take down a YouTuber over, over a cards. magic card. <laughs> He's like, I burned down, I burned down Jesse James' house. <laughs> What do you mean? What do you mean you politely, you knocked on the door, yeah. said you were going to shoot his dog? Because of what? A card from a game? A card game? See, that is, that's, yeah. a little, that's a little taste of justice right there for the legacy of the Pinkertons. So basically, to, to, summarize, to sum up this episode, though, Mrs. Pearlmania. To sum it up. Um, there's um, a couple things. Uh, first thing, before we give the full summary, we, okay. we, we, we did mean to give our plugs and we never did. Oh, okay. Right. I have a Plug show coming up, up uh, May 26th at Frankie Bradley's. Your plugs. I was like, I don't got plugs. <laughs> and I'll be at Punchline Philly May 28th. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. this weekend. Yeah. Opening for Benny Feldman. Links will be in the description of this episode. Heck yeah. Come out and see. You can find all of our stuff at patreon.com slash Pearlmania 500. Yep. And on Instagram. And on Instagram at Pearlmania 500 and yeah. at Mrs. And like and Pearlmania. subscribe and leave nice reviews. Yes. And email any suggestions you have for new episodes. Thank you. I like and, your suggestions, everybody. And, yeah, no, we really do. We really do appreciate the suggestions. Yeah, we really, really do. And uh, now for our summation. Okay, uh, what I've learned from this is that the Pinkertons are the worst. They've been the worst since day one, except for a small subsection in which 
they uh mr alan pinkerton helped try to free slaves other than that though yeah. they also exploited labor to slave level labor practices yes. in certain places so it, it really just doesn't even count anymore um and uh yeah just uh go fuck yourselves pinkertons yeah yeah Piss on their legacy. Uh, yeah, just just know that violence will always be used to protect property. <laughs> You're gonna say violence is always the answer. No, no, I was just say <sighs> violence will always be used to protect the rights of property of people who are richer than you, and they will always make you feel bad about it. And yeah. eventually, sixty years down the line, it'll be taught to your great great grandchildren in schools that this doesn't happen anymore, mm-hmm. and those kids won't listen as it's happening to them again. Yeah, because they got the TV. And yeah. the TikToks. At this point, hope, hopefully by the time our great-great-grandchildren are listening to this, they're on holodecks somewhere, <laughs> uh, floating through the stars. Yeah. As they're being beaten by Pinkerton agents <laughs> for not rowing a spaceship space hard Space Pinkertons. <laughs> Just like in the last book club episode. Yeah, Space Pinkertons space makes total Pinkertons sense. Space Pinkertons makes sense in the the last book. If they would have had a chapter in which Space Pinkerton showed up in the last uh, Mrs. P book club, it would have made a lot of sense, honestly. So with that, Mrs. P, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you, and have a great week. That's it, y'all. Thank you, and stay tuned for a new episode of of Mrs. Promania. Yeah, Mrs. Promania 500. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.